The Game Cube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Game is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of February. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, Tristan Pantorado, Wilshire, and White Wind Wolf L. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Thank you so much for joining me today. I bought a new GameCube game, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to see if you can guess what it is. I have a feeling you're going to get this in a single guess. Now, I'll just give you one hint right away. Uh, we have not covered this game yet, so this is a game that I bought in anticipation of an episode. So, fire away. What game do you think I got? Oh, man. That, like, takes away all my guesses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I had, like, WarioWare, I had Code Veronica, I had Ribbit King, I had Auto Monolista, but see, all, all those are gone. Because you They're said it was gone. a big purchase. It was big. This is the most I've ever spent on a GameCube game before, I think. I was trying to go through in my mind, and I'm pretty sure it is the most expensive game I've bought. And it's not Skies of Arcadia, which is one of the most expensive games I know of that we're covering today. Exactly. No, it's not Skies of Arcadia. I have not gone over to the RPG side yet. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, see, like now I'm completely thrown off. <laughs> uh, and there's no there's no really expensive Star Wars games. Um, all the Shrek games should be at least $500. So. <laughs> uh, is those it, are way later. Do you have Jungle Beat? I do. Okay. Yeah, and the bongos. Yeah, I got those ones. Yeah. Well, because there's yeah. there's Conga, there's Jungle Beat, you know. And so, yeah, I have uh, Conga 2. I don't have Conga 1, but those are like $15 games. Yeah, those are cheap. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at our future. Oh, is it one of the Disney games? Nope. No, <gasps> it's, uh, it's a standalone game. Okay. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil? Yeah. Oh, there it is. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. ding, ding, ding nice ding. guess. Good one. That didn't take too long. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got Beyond Good and Evil. It just arrived yesterday, actually. Accidentally shipped it to my parents' house. Dude, oh. it is in pristine condition. Ooh. Like, the best condition of a GameCube game I have seen in years, frankly. That's like, like when I got my third age copy. It just was yeah. like, redi- like, did anyone touch this? Where was this? <laughs> exactly. Like, that's what I thought. Like, it was wrapped in bubble paper and it was like in a box. I was like, wow, these people really cared about their game. Manual, everything. The disc is in good shape. Like, no stickers, no nothing. Like, so $120 Canadian, which is not horrible, but it is no. the most expensive GameCube game I bought. I'll probably end up spending more on another game in the future, so stoked to jump in on that one. I haven't started playing it yet, but uh, in anticipation of Beyond Good and Evil, our episode, I really wanted to play that one. That's awesome. Great purchase, and I will definitely mm-hmm. be borrowing that from you when we uh, <laughs> of course. when we get to that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I got that one, eventually. Yeah, excited to play it, uh, but Mike, I, I, hear, I hear that uh, you have something to say about hotel rooms. That's an interesting topic. Why don't you go ahead and uh, hit me with that? Yeah, did you notice that, like, every... I feel like Jerry Seinfeld here. Did, did you ever <laughs> notice that every hotel room has at least three layers of curtains? Like, at least, yeah. right? It's, yeah, yeah. It, it's almost, like, frustratingly, like, too much. Mm. It's like, yeah, I don't like know tangled. where it ends. Yeah, I get tangled in it. And, and this, <laughs> this 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 is, like, barely a bit, I know. But I just I just thought of this the other day, and I wanted to bring mm-hmm. it up. And I wanted well, to yeah, see what you thought. Yeah, no, I appreciate it because I need blackout blinds. Like, as mm. soon as the sun pokes through the, the bedroom window, I'm up. Like, as soon as my room is just a little bit bright, I can't sleep anymore. You're not like friend I of the feel- show, Harrison. No, no, no. Harrison can sleep with no blinds. I need I need, I need, need to be knocked out to sleep. 
Uh, so I appreciate it in hotel rooms. They've got the blackout blind, and then they have, like, the regular curtains, and then they have, like, the added white curtain to go over it. Just a decorative, nice little uh, white curtain. I have no idea what that's for. Not necessary. No. Kind of just blows in the breeze if you leave the window open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you summed it up perfectly there. And in yeah. terms of, like, you know, you can tip with hotels and tip the, mm. the people who bring up your bags if you have those or if they the hotel has those. But have then, you tipped at a hotel before? I don't think I have. That feels like something no. you only see in movies. And I was thinking the other day just about tipping in general. And Mm -hmm. have you ever tipped 100% before? I have. It feels awesome. You feel like a big man when you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's great. If you could leave a tip the size of your meal, that's a good good day. Now, I I don't want to take too much credit here. I wasn't like $50 steak meal or anything. Uh, we went, I remember it specifically. I remember the day it was, we were eating at the place in Burlington. It was the day I think I met your girlfriend, uh, Emma's back porch. Yes. It's now out of business. They COVID took them out, unfortunately. Uh, but it was that day we met you there. You were coming back from New York, I believe. Yeah. And right. they had, they dude that, that restaurant was dope. Uh, they had this deal on, I think it was like a Wednesday night deal or something, which was the night that we were there. Oh, it was yeah. like a, a burger fries and a beer for, for like 15, yeah. $15. Yeah. Now, I don't drink, so they gave me a discount. They said they were like, oh, we'll knock five bucks off the meal. Yeah, that's right. So $10, $10 for a burger and fries. It was the Scooby-Doo burger because they used Scooby noodles. I appreciated that. Uh, so, like, the, the bill came to 10 bucks. And when I go out to eat, I never I never plan on spending less than $20 on myself when I go out to eat. Yeah. So I just – I left a 20 so I tipped 100% that night. There you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, a similar thing happened to me. When COVID hit, uh, there was a bar near us that, uh, you know, wasn't doing too well. We wanted to try and help them out because obviously the people don't go to pubs during COVID. Like don't, people don't, right. you don't get takeout from pubs really, right? Like it's, <laughs> you, you go there for the ambiance and everything. And, um, and they had this, all these deals, usually two for ones. And it was like, yeah, two burger meals for like $16 total. Wow. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not giving you $16 for these two meals. <laughs> like here's, here's like $32 and nice. felt, felt pretty good about myself that day. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you, you saved the pub that night with that $16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That extra $16 really went a long way. They're like, please buy a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, you buy yourself a t-shirt. They're like, we have six of them. <laughs> now going the other way, have you ever not tipped at a, now restaurants are the main thing I'm talking about. Obviously you haven't, you haven't tipped at hotels cause that's just weird. Uh, but have you ever not tipped at a restaurant? Yeah, yeah. Uh, only once, I think. Uh, it was like okay. insanely bad service. Like it was, it was the weird. It, it was a, it was a company outing actually, which is why I think we all decided to not tip because it was so bad, and we wow. were so late because you know I think we sat down at around noon and we didn't leave until like two. That's brutal. So that was another reason why we're just like you know we this is awful, and it mm-hmm. was it, it it was it was a really weird situation. So you know there's delays or whatever. And uh, the server kept get, coming back to us and saying, I'm sorry, you know, whatever. Uh, but the weird <laughs> thing was that there was no one else in the restaurant. It was just us. It's just like wow. six people. And okay. uh, it, it, she just kept coming back saying sorry. But then her tone changed. Then it was like almost, well, you guys should have. Like you were you were the inconvenience? Yeah. Now? It's like, well, you guys should have mm. known that like it takes this long for lunch. Like that's kind of how what? her tone changed. <laughs> what? And then we were like, okay, now this is like going to get personal. Yeah. And of course the meals come out. They're all wrong. You know, like mm. everything's different. The, and these are like sandwiches. How, like Most of them are just sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> re- restaurants should know like most lunches, especially on a business day, it's one hour. You got to get in and yeah. out, in and out, maybe an hour and a half if they have an extra, you know, this your, isn't your a fancy, energy. this is just a standard barbecue kind of place. Yeah. Like it wasn't fancy at all. It did shut down like a month later 
Nice. Okay. <laughs> because you didn't tip. Now that's why they went under that's that what, one event. Yeah. I didn't tip at that one. I think you were there. It was a sushi outing oh, where yeah. uh, this was like we were in college, like a year out of high school. And we, we, we love going out for all you can eat sushi. And I'll tip pretty well at those lunches. Like mm-hmm. $20. Most of those meals are 20 bucks. I'll tip usually five to 10 bucks easily because the waiters and the waitresses there, they're moving. Like they're filling our glasses with uh, green tea and water and there we, we order a lot of sushi between the seven of us but there was that one place that we went to where like they moved us twice they kept coming back with our order to say like we ordered too much and they were removing things from our order so i was like fine i'm just not tipping uh so i didn't yeah. that was kind of that was the only time i think i could think it's got to be really tipping, bad but... right it's got to be yeah. like like excruciatingly bad and they took forever too like that yeah, was we were like... there for three hours three and a half hours which <laughs> it's nice we can hang out for that long but really like, i don't we really want to be in a lunch room for like yeah like, like no. that long <laughs> I got things to do. I got places to. I got places to be. You, you know me. I'm a busy guy, and so and we're all busy here, Neil. So let's just dive right into some other uh, topics here, which are about the Nintendo Direct, which just happened. I oh, know yeah. we could have technically done it, you know, when our episode went live, but uh, we decided oh, to to to, to, uh, to leave it for another week, and we're going to talk about the direct here. So big shout out to friend of the show, Brennan, who actually took a bunch of notes. <laughs> for, uh, we for just copied and pasted it. We just copied and pasted it because, you know, we, yeah. we agree for the most part. So before we actually get to Brendan's notes, uh, let, what did you think of the direct in general, Neil? For me, it was good, mm-hmm. uh, but there were, I, you know, obviously missing the Zeldas, the the Prime 4s, the, sure. the Bayonettas, uh, but having Strikers mm-hmm. definitely made it good for me. Yeah, excellent, excellent point. I Yeah, it started off strong for me with... Not so much the the Fire Emblem game, but yeah, Strikers was huge. I did not see that coming. I don't know why that that was not in either of our predictions for the year or like anticipated lists anytime we talked about that. So that was a huge surprise for me. Uh, and then the, the, the Direct did lull quite a bit. A lot of ports, very port heavy, which brought it down, unfortunately. Had a bit of an uptick midway through there with, with Wii Sports and then ended strong with Mario Kart DLC. So a lot of ups, a lot of downs. It was very, very good. I would say it's very a very good Direct. Not great because, yeah, we were missing Metroid and Zelda. But I think those are coming later. So let's jump right into uh, Brandon's notes here and go through, and we'll talk about the notable games. Yeah, we got uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, the new one. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's yeah, fine. Great. Uh, no Man's Sky, the, the port, uh, like five years after relevancy. I mean, that, I, yeah. random, very random there. Uh, uh, and then obviously Strikers, that was huge. That was just insane. I was completely thrown off because... This is just a franchise that seemed dead. Like Nintendo put out the GameCube one in 05, which we'll talk about later uh, in this uh, in this podcast. And then uh, they put out Charge, which is basically a port with a, a couple of, of uh, tweaks. And I think that put, they put that out like two years later for the Wii. And right. then dead. Nothing. Yep. Nothing. No, nothing on 3DS. There was a soccer game kind of in Mario Sports uh, on the 3DS, but nothing on Wii U nothing on DS. I don't know what, why they would give up soccer of all sports, like the number one sport in the world <laughs> to, to not put Mario's face on it. Very strange, but nonetheless, very happy to have it back. It's coming out in uh, early June. I think that one, June 10th or June. I have the date June 29th in my mind. I don't know I think why. It's 10th and we will be having the strikers episode for that. Of course, of course. And we'll be picking that game up probably both of us day one. Yeah. So stoked for that one. That's going to be great. Can't wait. We have uh, Splatoon 3 showing the maps and stuff. You know, we're I like the idea of Splatoon and, and I'm glad that Nintendo is making new content for Splatoon and, you know, yep. pushing this this new IP. But um, yeah, it looks, looks fun. 
Um, I, I don't need a two Splatoons per console. Uh, I think mm-hmm. one per console is fine. Splatoon 2 came out very early in the Switch's life cycle. I found it way too similar to Splatoon 1, which I played to death on the Wii U back in 2016 when nobody cared about Nintendo. Uh, so Splatoon 3, <laughs> not doing it for me. I'll probably pass on that one. I'm, I'm glad to see it's getting some support. Love it. But yeah, pass on. Pass for me. Pass for that. We have a Disney Mario Kart, because why? Uh, <laughs> we have uh, we have the, the post-apocalyptic Last of Us Kirby uh, yeah. game coming out. And we had seen some footage of that before, so now we got a more in-depth direct and uh, in-depth look at it yeah you're a huge kirby fan mike i know you like to play the the wii ones especially how does this one look for you it's a 3d kirby game you've got uh, mouthful mode it looks really cool <laughs> this is like the odyssey mario odyssey for kirby i think this is what they definitely had to do and mm-hmm. i think they killed it and we have so many memes now uh, we yes. have all the kirby memes it is it is very disturbing to watch him suck yes. these things up, but uh, I'll, I'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely get this game at some point. Uh, but yeah, it does look a little. <laughs> a little yeah, it looks it looks interesting. It's I'm sure there's going to be tons more memes coming. I'm excited for it. I'll borrow it off of you for sure. Not the biggest Kirby fan, but I'm glad you like it. Well, so. Thank you. Uh, more ports, of course. Portal One and Two come for Switch. That's that's cool. You know, Switch yeah. is becoming the full legacy console, which I think is fine. Uh, yeah. And then we had Wii Sports, but Nintendo Sports, Nintendo Switch right. Sports. Uh, mm-hmm. This was interesting. Uh, I think yeah. I'm going to have to actually, you know, see this in action to, to make a full judgment call. I have I have faith that it's going to be fine. Like okay. Wii Sports was fine. They like we. It's just it's it's it was a very lightning in a bottle uh, experience. Wii Sports yes. in 2006 when the Wii came out. Uh, I I first saw it. It wasn't in a trailer. Like I don't know anybody that that was sold on Wii Sports because it was in a trailer. It was sold because you you played it at a mall demo at a mall kiosk or at a friend's house you bowled at someone's house and then you begged your parents or you went out and saved up for a Wii that that's really how you sell that experience it doesn't translate super well to a trailer because it's so physical it's, it's so it's such a party game that like just seeing two people play volleyball on screen uh at this point if you're a Nintendo fan you know what what Wii Sports <laughs> is so you know it's going to be fine yeah like it's but the 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 concept is over 15 years old now and it's a little bit stale I honestly think Ring Fit Adventure was a great uh evolution of the Wii, Wii Sports formula, and I'd rather see more of that. Uh, but, I mean, saying that, my girlfriend is a big fan of the Wii Sports and the Wii Resorts and everything, so she'll probably be stoked to pick it up. So I'm sure it's going to have its fans. There we go. Yeah. yeah. We have the Cuphead DLC. We already knew that was coming out for yeah. a long time, but uh, <laughs> definitely excited to actually have that come into the Switch. Uh, mm-hmm. Metroid Dread getting the, the free update. Uh, Neil will get the free update when he buys the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Mario Kart getting the paid dlc new courses technically those dlc courses i think will be uh added to the nintendo online plus uh, membership which is actually really really cool great value the plus membership i believe is 50 dollars a year or you can buy the dlc pack uh like as a bundle uh which for canadians i checked the store today actually it's going to be around 35 bucks which 35 dollars for 48 new courses I'm ex- as excited as I would have been if there was a Mario Kart 9 announcement, to be honest. I'm in the camp of this is great news. Okay, that's good. See, and I'm in the camp of this is good news. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a little hesitant because I love the idea that they're bringing these DLC courses back, but part mm-hmm. of me really just wishes that they would just put out a Mario Kart 9 Ultimate, or just a yep. Mario Kart Ultimate, uh, really, just just and then put everything in there, say like, okay, this is the new game we've just up updated everything just a little bit tweaked everything whatever and now we're going to have all the characters all the courses everything is going to be in here and if we want more it'll be dlc so i mean i'd still like what they're doing like that's fine 
But right. um, part of me wishes that it was just a full new game. You see, if they made Mario Kart 9 Ultimate, I feel like that I'd rather they just turn Mario Kart 8 into Mario Kart Ultimate, which is what, which they is what they're pretty doing. Much, yeah. Which is what they're doing. Like, instead of buying another Mario Kart game for $90 with all now 96 tracks, plus whatever new stuff they're going to add, new characters, I'd rather that they just use this engine, use this platform, and make it the Mario Kart service. Like, yep. we're, we're already there. We're practically done. Like, we have all the characters. We have so many courses i'd like to see some new characters added and make it more like a nintendo kart um but i'm in i'm in the mario kart boat of people who've been playing this game for six years now with all these courses the tracks are stale to be frank so i am so stoked to have this uh breath of fresh air coming to mario kart 8 i will be there day one buying that on march 18th is the first pack so about a month away yeah yeah i'll definitely be buying it uh like you i'll probably end up just buying it first day because why not yeah, yeah, just buy that pack for $35, and then you set and forget it until the end of 2023, and then we can enter in whatever Mario Kart 9 is going to be, which won't be until 2024, so you might as well hunker down and enjoy this, because this is what we have. And to close out the Direct, we got the announcement for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, the British anime boys are back. Uh, what more could you ask for? Neither of us have played Xenoblade at all. This didn't really speak to us, but uh, Xenoblade is a huge franchise, so uh, glad to see it's getting a third installment. Yeah, yeah, so am I. Glad to see it getting love, uh, and mm -hmm. the friend of the show, Zaffer, was going nuts when he <laughs> saw this, could not believe it. And mm -hmm. yeah, like, solid way to close it out, um, and I just wish, I would just wish that Breath of the Wild 2 got a title, or was mentioned, or anything at all, right? Yeah. And that, that kind of hurt me there, I was like, oh, but... You know what I want. <laughs> yeah, right. And all the Nintendo fans. You got to imagine a lot of Nintendo fans were tuning in for just a hint of Breath of the Wild news. But I think we're probably going to have to wait now until spring or uh, E3 at this point for Breath of the Wild news. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. You're probably right. But that mm -hmm. is it for the Nintendo Direct. We will get another one at some point, mm -hmm. maybe at E3, and we'll bring you that uh, that news. Not, not the NFT. Uh, news. Not the Nintendo Financial Times, but uh, no, no. something else. <laughs> something else, yeah. We'll, we'll have some Nintendo Financial Times news between now and then. But until then, we do have a topic from Patreon today. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash cool. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic, just like Wilshire did. Wilshire says, While the GameCube had online capability, there were almost no games that used any online features. If you could add online functions to any GameCube game, which would it be? Also, if you could tell Sega to make Skies of Arcadia 2, that would be great. I called Sonic already. He says no. <laughs> Sonic answer, no, he's just going to make another movie with the beloved Jim Carrey, of course. Uh, but Wilshire is, of course, talking about the online capability of the GameCube that most folks out there have no idea exists, but it did. Uh, for the most part, the online was used for LAN, local, uh, local online multiplayer. Uh, the games that were supported were uh, 1080 Avalanche, Homeland... Uh, which was a Japanese-only game, another Japanese-only game that I cannot pronounce, uh, Kirby Air Ride, Mario Kart Double Dash. But the games that actually featured online play where you could play with people all over the world were Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2 and Episode 1 and 2 Plus, which is kind of a cheat. They're basically the same game. And then Fantasy Star Online Episode 3, The Card Revolution. So not a huge support for on online, eight games total. But Mike, if we could go back and add online to any... Uh, GameCube games of our choice, which would you pick? Well, Nightfire is the obvious choice for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, yep. I would I would kill to have Nightfire online. Uh, mm. And I think any of the Mario sports games, probably tennis would be my first pick. Okay. I would love to have Mario Power Tennis have Wiggler, you know, just, just main Wiggler the whole time. Um, <laughs> and then Melee is, is a, would be the, the other one. Really just yeah. any 
any four player game that we played, you know, even like a SpongeBob Lights Camera Pants, like anything like that, uh, even the Mario mm. parties, yeah, the Mario Sports, um, and Time Splitters would be my my last one. I would love to play Time Splitters too online. Yeah. Yeah, the shooters are all easy picks. Like, shooters just lend themselves to online play so well. Them and RPGs, MMOs, obviously. Yeah. The problem for me with the party games is that when you're, like, let's say you're home alone, you're playing a party game with friends, especially if there's no voice chat, it's a very empty experience playing a party game with no one in the room. Mm. For me, the Mario Party, the appeal of the Mario Party games is having everybody in the same room laughing, you know, talking smack. Like, we played Mario Party at my condo a couple of weeks ago, and it was just fun to, you know, a dice rolls the wrong way that you weren't expecting, and, you know, you're, like, in the cone of shame, basically, for the next (laughs) 10 minutes. I feel like that that experience would be lost if it was online. Like, Mario Party, the current Mario Party games have online, don't they? Now they do, after. That's a whole other (laughs) topic. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, that's true. Good point there i think it's yeah. more the mario sports games i would really want sure. to see online and of course strikers um will have a really cool online system yes yeah strikers is going to be really neat and like the mario golf too would be cool because you can play golf against somebody without actually playing them at the same time like let's say i play a course and i play it really well i can maybe upload that that uh, playthrough onto the online service and then maybe you can play against my ghost yeah and try and beat my score on that course sort of thing i i put Nightfire top of the list for me of course we talk about that every week almost when, <laughs> when you and I get together and chat. We're like, man, I wish we could play this online. Yeah. Uh, for me, my, my option too would be Double Dash. I would love to have, yeah. or I'd love to have Double Dash on online. Mario Kart 8 online was a lot of fun. I just remember I have such fond memories of playing Mario Kart Wii online. <laughs> that was so much fun, dude, playing that in high school oh, yeah. against people all over the world. Like I, I didn't have an online account because you had the Wii. I was a guest. My goal was just to kind of knock points away from people, just to kind of make them a little worse than they were when we started. So that was a ton of fun. Would love to have that uh on the gamecube it's a good goal <laughs> <laughs> exactly but thank you so much wilshire for that uh, that topic we're going to be talking a ton about online gaming on the gamecube this episode uh so we might as well uh swing right into that but before we do mike i think it's time for our favorite segment it's time for the mailbag ladies and gentlemen if you want to write into the show you can do so by leaving us a review on whatever service you listen to us on or you can write into us on instagram twitter facebook now on discord we will read your review on the podcast you can also correct us if we get something wrong uh we will read that on the podcast as well just like mike who wrote into us today Robloxian underscore 2011 wrote into us on Apple Podcasts, gave us a five-star review, and says, amazing updating. Uh, You people are amazing. Thank you. Uh, Talking about a 2001 console uh, from 2021 and 2022. Also, I love the GameCube. Keep it going. I listened. It's funny. Especially the first episode with the fire truck thing. I don't know that. I don't know how that was so funny. What is the fire truck thing? What is that? I don't remember. I don't what know we what do? that is. <laughs> is he listening to the right podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just game. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. That's true. That's very true. Now we did start in 2020, so we're actually coming up on our second birthday, which is crazy to think. That's true. Uh, I want to know what that fire truck thing was. Now we'll have Dang. to go back. Robloxing. Thank you for writing in. And I'm sure it was funny. I just don't remember. Also, our first episode is not good. And I was going to say, I'm sure it wasn't very funny, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy that, that you enjoy the first episode. But please listen to our new episodes. We got a lot mm. better. And we're continuing to get better. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 85 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American 
GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 380 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's him. Last week, we talked about Power Rangers, KO the Kangaroo, Dragon's Lair, and a few other action-adventure games on the Cube. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're covering the Fantasy Star series, as well as Skies of Arcadia and Amazing Island, a nice smorgasbord of Sega RPGs on the Cube, most of which are exclusive to the GameCube uh, or the Dreamcast, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this was a a fun episode when I was putting this together, because I I didn't realize that Sega did all these, and uh, I was like, oh, this makes sense. This is going to be really easy to tie everything together. <laughs> yeah, that, that was just, I think, a luck. That was just by luck, I think. Like, we just put these games together in an episode and realized, oh, they're all Sega. Yep. Terrific. Yeah. And they're all exclusive, too, which is really neat. Yeah, all, uh, most of them exclu- exclusive. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you're right. Exclusive yeah. to the Dreamcast and the GameCube. Exactly. The Dreamcast didn't exist after about a year, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to count these as exclusive GameCube games. Uh, now, Mike, you and I, of course, do not have a ton of experience with uh, RPGs, MMOs, uh, fantasy stars, so we, of course, had to call for help on uh, on the social medias and whatnot. Uh, we used to, to phone the friend uh, hotline. Yeah, we put the Batman signal up. We put the GameCube <laughs> signal up in, over the over the the dark city of Toronto, and uh, <laughs> luckily, some people did call us and are going to be joining us today. So, uh, with that, why don't you introduce our first guest? All right, and joining us today is Luigi. Uh, we've had him on the show before. I what what did we have you on for? <laughs> I forget what you were even on for. For Pikmin Two, actually. <laughs> oh yes, that's right. Oh, yeah. I just missed the cutoff for Beautiful Joe. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Luigi's apartment. Uh, you can find him on Instagram. Uh, great channel. Um, and you also are the co-host of other podcasts too. You podcast like us. I, I do a number of things, yes. Yeah, I, uh, a, a Zelda podcast called Chat of the Wild, where we go through the games in order, dungeon by dungeon, like one dungeon per episode, basically. And a speedrun podcast with a couple of guys from GDQ and uh, my buddy from my podcast network called Need for Speedrunning, where we break down a different speed game uh, each episode. So That's amazing. Yeah. And, and then I do stuff on Twitch, and you know, I'm I'm here and there on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. So of, of just course. the classic resume of a content creator in 2022, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have a YouTube channel that I don't update anymore and haven't for half a decade. You know, so. oh, us too, too. us too. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are having you on the show today to, of course, talk about the Fantasy Star Online series. And our first question for you is: Did you ever play? fantasy star before the online no uh i i don't have much experience with like single player genesis games uh, Mm -hmm. and like none master system until like i was out of high school and i and i met like people who were like me but for sega whereas i'm a big nintendo fan Right. Um, and we're like, here, here, let's play Master System and stuff. I'm like, this is okay, I guess. <laughs> they're, they're strange looking games. I had never seen like Fantasy Star Offline gameplay before. There was six pre Fantasy Star Online. There were six Fantasy Star games between 1987 and 1993. They were on the Sega Mega Drive, the Genesis, and the Master System, which Mike and I have little to no history with. So we were Nintendo kids through and through. It wasn't until Fantasy Star Online that most Nintendo fans started to to tune in and luckily the online games are in i mean they're technically related to fantasy star but they are separate storylines yeah which uh yeah. i think yuji naka him who kind of headed up the game was happy about he's like cool i don't have to 
<laughs> be you know handcuffed to some old lore or something. Exactly. Yeah, and it was made by the like you said the Sonic team actually that created Fantasy Star Online. And Neil, why don't you just go into the stats and you know all the the facts about uh, these three games that we're going to cover today? Sure thing. So we're covering Fantasy Star Online episode one and two, which was released on October 30th, 2002, Neil's birthday. Uh, it was developed by Team Sonic. I, I refer to myself in the third person sometimes. <laughs> it was developed by Team Sonic, published by Sega. It's also on the Dreamcast, just episode one. It's And then it's on Xbox and Windows, priced today at $120, rates a nine out of 10. And then we technically also have Fantasy Star Online episode one and two plus, which was released two years later on September 15th, 2004, developed again by Team Sonic, published by Sega. Uh, it's also on Xbox and Windows, priced at $250. This one's a bit more rare. The Plus version was pretty much just released to fix uh, the hackers that were that basically tore open Fantasy Star Episode <laughs> 1 and 2, which is hilarious. This is basically like a 2004 version of a patch. <laughs> Pre well, meanwhile, patch. like Blizzard's over on the other side of the room going like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh yeah fantasy star online one and two is basically the first ever online console rpg we had online console games pre fantasy star online but this was the first rpg now luigi what got you into fantasy star online because like you said you didn't play the originals what got me into it was nintendo pushing it really hard in nintendo power but nice. uh <laughs> but really the idea of online gaming, um, yeah. the fact yeah. that my little lunchbox could get on the internet. I never did, but uh, <laughs> I, I planned no to get, <laughs> yeah, I planned to get the broadband adapter, which would have been stupid of me, I think, now, because I don't know if we had broadband at that point. Like, uh, my dad was no. uh, certainly tech savvy, but the stuff, he didn't need broadband for what he was doing. He could get uh, our our family business was set up on a server that he could call on a landline with his uh, sweet knowledge of 80s PC nice. tech and 90s PC tech. So <laughs> all he needed was, you know, AOL, and he was fine. Right. Liked the idea of it. And I and so I got the game hoping to get the adapter and hoping to get online someday. Sure. Like, right. like this game was so ahead of its time just because, like you said, in the early 2000s, we were just learning as families how to use the Internet, how to connect to the Internet. We had the blue Ethernet cable that went into the computer, and my dad would not let us touch that cable. So, like, there was no way we were hooking up the GameCube to the Internet back then. But it this was really expensive was like, too. That cable, it, that too. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, cable would internet, have been a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the internet was expensive, and that was a huge issue with the the original Dreamcast version, where they released Fantasy Star on Dreamcast, and in Japan specifically, the internet internet service is especially expensive. That they were selling Dreamcast with free internet subscriptions for a year. They were bundling in internet subscriptions with your console. Like, can you imagine that? Like doing that by today's standards, that's just unthinkable now. <laughs> Very this really was times. like. It's insane. Like this really was a pioneer for online gaming. Like the Sega knew that like this no, this is how you're going to play games someday. And Fantasy Star Online is that jump into the into the 21st century. Can you imagine a chairman of a company paying for your internet service if you buy his product? <laughs> yeah. That's... Like that's that's <laughs> unreal. <No. laughs> I mean, like the the fact that they believed in it. I don't know. Sega is like a lot of people will will frame them as being ahead of their time but i think you could also just as easily frame it as they, they just lacked focus <laughs> they yeah. mm -hmm. like everything all at once and so they had these really 
genius ideas, but they were also like it was it was getting lost in the noise. Well, a lot of I the problem so. was was Sega America versus Sega Japan, mm-hmm. which were really two different companies at that point and had no singular vision. And that was right. one of the biggest differences there and one of the big reasons why Sega failed. And I learned that thanks to the book you lent me, Neil, uh, Console Wars, I think it was. Yeah, Console Wars by Blake Harris. That's like a must read for gamers. I've read that three times now. It's so good. And it's it's cool because it's a Nintendo or it's a Sega versus Nintendo story from the from the perspective of Sega, which you don't get to hear too often. Yeah. You usually hear everything from Nintendo's perspective. So it's nice to hear from the, the, the team that lost for a change. Yeah. Winners write history and um sega is or, or nintendo is definitely the bad guy in that oh story. yeah <laughs> sega did support the gamecube a ton in this generation like we have talked so much about sega in this uh during this podcast career that we've had and th- this entire episode is dedicated to, to sega games um like th- this is ba- the gamecube was almost like a secret dreamcast sequel almost like they were putting all of their dreamcast ports on the gamecube and uh, Fantasy Star was no exception. Despite the fact the GameCube barely could run the internet, uh, Sega wanted to make sure it happened. And let's talk about what Fantasy Star Online actually is. So, it, Luigi, if you were to describe it to someone who had no idea of what the hell Fantasy Star Online is, I was talking to a friend of the show, Marty, and uh, he's <laughs> like, uh, just so Sega knows they spelt fantasy wrong. I was like, okay, Marty, <laughs> you don't know what this game is. So if you had to explain to Marty, how would you explain it? Uh, yeah, I would first uh, say, hi, Marty. Uh, my name's Luigi. How are you? Um, and I would figure out, like, where they're coming from because it, it's weird because we, we have, like, action-adventure games over here, but not like they had action-adventure games in Japan in the 80s. Like, mm-hmm. our like we, we sort of passed RPGs back and forth, and, like, some of it made an impact and some of it didn't, but some of it made a huge impact. Mm-hmm. But like you know, like maybe like Gauntlet Legends, like we all kind of played that arcade game, right? Um, where you know Red Warrior needs food badly, or um, maybe something as simple as like Zelda, or uh, you know right. an old roguelike, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Diablo is the obvious choice <laughs> because that's what the <laughs> developers were looking at. But right. yeah, the action adventure RPG like really starts to become like a big PC thing with Diablo. I don't know. The, the history of RPGs are just us passing things back and forth. It's a great point, though, like you make how in the 80s and the 90s, like RPGs were specifically owned by Japan. Like JRPGs is just something you think about. You think of Final Fantasy. You think of Fantasy Star. You think of like EverQuest. I'm not sure if that's Japanese or not. But now like in the 2010s and the 2020s, when, when most people think of RPGs, they think more of the uh, I guess Western RPGs made in America, like like Fallout and Skyrim, and RPGs now feel like they're more Western. JRPGs are still a thing; like people still play a lot of Final Fantasy and Persona. Like those games are all still very big, but the games that make millions of dollars and sell millions of consoles, like Skyrim, just keep selling. Uh, is not made in Japan, so I, I think eventually it probably will swing back around. Like history will have a a way of repeating itself, where the mainstream will be playing like Final Fantasy VII, like we were back in 1997. I have a feeling it will come back again. It's funny, like that you mentioned that because, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, RPGs and the really ideas of them come from uh, a lot of Western literature. Specifically, you think of Tolkien and Lord of mm-hmm. the Rings and that world. Like that is what so many developers in the 80s especially you know think of like link and uh, zelda in that world that is a direct inspiration from uh taken from lord of the rings like that that those fantasy novels 
and those those fantasy worlds really couldn't be shown in movies yet. And that's something that mm-hmm. people kind of forget. They were brought to life in different ways through gaming. And it's funny to think of because obviously gaming was way less for technology at the time than movies were. But the whole idea of fantasy worlds is is you basically taking over a character and you basically putting yourself into those that character's shoes. And these RPGs, these early RPGs, were able to do that so convincingly uh, at the time, which was you know just amazing. Well, that's a whole other story. Is how they actually were able to put all the music and the the graphics into these tiny little cartridges where you can only mm-hmm. fit 64 kilobytes of memory, right? Uh, but right. it's pretty crazy how both Fantasy Star Online and Final Fantasy started both in '86 or '87, I believe. And mm-hmm. have been have kept going basically to this day. Well, and then we weren't devoid of RPGs in the '80s in America, or at least in the West, because we had D and D, and that's what yeah uh, Western, you know, which you know, even going into Fallout today, like those games still kind of existed back in the '80s. They were more freeform. We had a lot of dungeon crawlers. They were mostly on PC, mm-hmm. um, but they let you pick your own character. And so the guy who, like the Hank Rogers, who ended up uh, finding Tetris, who ended up becoming friends with Alexei Pajanov, made a made a kind of RPG game while he was living in Japan and released it there. And they took that and ran with it, but they made it more scripted, where you didn't get to choose where your points were going to go because it was more of a narrative thing. Whereas in in America, it was or in the West, it was very open right. RPGs. But then that came back over to us in the form of the JRPGs, which changed the way we made our RPGs, and then that went back over there. Yeah, I don't know. And then I <laughs> I keep bringing it back up again because it's one big cycle. And so in terms of uh, Fantasy Star Online being different than you know some of these other RPGs. The, what was there one specific reason why you kept wanting to go back to these games compared to you know a Final Fantasy? Uh, so I didn't play Final Fantasy. I didn't have much experience with RPGs until Pokemon, hmm. and I didn't even know I was like really playing an RPG. Like, I, and yeah. that came along when I was in middle school, like Blue. And just everyone was playing it, and, and I found it fascinating, but I didn't really know what I was getting into. Because I'd, I'd played, like, Final Fantasy II on SNES before, um, th- like, you know, at an older kid's house. But, like, only, like, the first 15 minutes, because right. I didn't understand right. what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, around, after after Pokemon, I started to, like, get a feeling for, oh, that's, like, this is what's happening in these old games that I had no idea what was going on. So I, I think even with this game, I didn't realize I was playing an RPG. I thought I was playing Gauntlet and I just got to keep my weapon. That's fair. <laughs> I'm the same way where with RPGs, you kind of have to sneak it in. Uh, like I love the Paper Mario games, which I didn't really think of as RPGs until like eventually someone says, oh, you know, there's there's HP and there's stats, there's experience points. This is technically an RPG, even though like when I think RPG, I think of our friend Zaffer who plays Japanese RPGs for hundreds of hours. And I've only played a handful of games for more than a hundred hours. Like right. I, I love RPGs that are short experiences that are goofy, that include pocket monsters and funny jokes in Paper Mario. <laughs> like if you could somehow combine like any other genre and RPGs, I'm probably in. But if it's a straight RPG, I find it incredibly difficult to jump in on. And then when you add the online aspect to it, where there's going to be people all around the world who play this game for like a living, like it's even more intimidating for me. So like an MMO is just not my thing just because of that. Like I don't have the time to put into this 
this world, which is unfortunate. But I was happy to hear that like you could play Fantasy Star online, offline, which is kind <laughs> of neat. Uh, yeah. Luigi, did you play this game more online or offline when you were young? I I never actually played it uh, online. Um, that okay. like I said, that was always the hope, but I never I was never able to do that. I, I just I found it so cool, and so like my friend and I would play it kind of. I probably have about as much experience playing solo as I do playing couch co-op with this game. Okay. That's funny that you, you picked up Fantasy Star Online and you never you never made it to the online part. It's like, oh, one day we'll unlock the online part of this game. But for now, we're going to play we'll Fantasy Star Offline. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but like I have such fond memories of this as a, as a couch co-op game. I mean, also as a, like, I, I've been playing it this past week. Um, and I had to start a new character because my, uh, okay. Did you know this, that the, that the Wii, just the basic Wii and the 1019 GameCube memory card do not get along? Really? No. Yeah. Explain. Apparently <laughs> I found forum posts going back as far as 2009 being like, Hey, watch out. Uh, it could corrupt the memory card. And, oh. um, Mine got corrupted back in like 2014, but I didn't. I yeah. So my characters were all lost, and I had to kind of start it start again. Ah, but ah man. So how did you start again then? What what character did you go with this time around? I got weird with it since I knew I wouldn't be like bringing in you know like friends to play along, and I would just be by myself. So I I wanted to pick a magic class, but I also wanted a tank. <laughs> so I made a force okay. tank, and and I I just kind of got on Google. I was like, uh, PSO tanking force character, <laughs> and someone was like, Yeah, pick a full moral. The uh, you know, go for it. Feed the mag. This. I'm like, All right, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> that's fun. I, I love I love being able to kind of just go into something like that with no holds barred. It's like, Well, I I'm not keeping this. Whatever. Let's just see what happens. Yeah, if I don't and, hold myself to it, I, I I will eventually find my like you know like I've never played Skyrim, but that that it, the example of a game where it's like that wide open, you could pick anything, yeah. And then by the end of it, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm small arms fire archer sniper. I'm the same guy again. Never mind. <laughs> That's me, Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, Luigi, you mentioned really quick there the the mag that your little character there that follows you around in this game. What is the what is the purpose of that? I was watching gameplay and I was like, is this like a Pokemon? Like, what do they do? So it's uh, depending on what you feed it, it will affect your stats and it can kind of change your build um i okay don't know as much about because this game is dense um yeah you can get up to level 200 like it just keeps going the numbers keep stacking and so like some of the some of the nuance to it i don't necessarily know about the mags but you can basically get it to where it it, it helps shape your character's path and if you feed it certain things there are certain like named types of mags it can turn into. Right. And okay. so if you yeah, hmm. like you'll get a specific named mag if you feed it the the right things where as most of my older characters were like I just basically was feeding them junk food. I had no idea what I was doing. So who knows what that thing was. Cool. I, I kind of like that idea. And uh, and Neil, we also didn't mention I don't think you mentioned the third game in this trilogy. You just mentioned one and two. But uh, yeah. there is a third one. 
Uh, yeah, there is a third one here. There's Fantasy Star Online Episode 3 CARD, or Card Revolution, which was released on March 2nd, 2004, developed by Sonic Team, published by Sega. This is a GameCube exclusive. We gave up on the Dreamcast at this point. Rates a 7 out of 10. Pretty hard to find this game, like, on eBay and everything like that. Uh, I found North American versions priced around $50, according to PriceCharting.com. There are way more PAL versions. Uh, not to worry, Luigi. This, this game is uh, not at all like what you played Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2. This is like a card battling game instead. They completely scrapped the old gameplay style and made basically Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I looked at it at the time when it was released. I was like, oh, cool. Fantasy Star Online 3. Righteous. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like, oh, this is not what I am, I'm here for. So no, no thank you. For, no thank you at all. Yeah. It is funny because, like, you hear Fantasy Star fans talking about Fantasy Star today, and they're like, they say, like, oh, we'd love a Fantasy Star 3. It's like, you technically got one. This was a, uh, it kind of reminds me of, like, what we talked way back about, like, with Star Fox Adventures or even, like, Wind Waker at the time or the Pokemon games, like, Donkey Kong Rhythm games. Like, these are all really great games, but they're not what the fans wanted. And I feel like the GameCube was home to a lot of games like that, where, like, there's great games, but unfortunately, like, Star Fox Adventures is not a great Star Fox game. Like, that's what I said on that episode. Like, it's a great game, but this is not what I want from Star Fox. Same thing with Fantasy Star Online 3. Like, it's a great game, but this is not what Fantasy Star fans want. Yeah, we had to wait till like, what, 2005 to get the Star Fox game we kind of wanted. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in, uh, well, probably soon, probably in a couple episodes. Yep. But just back to to Fantasy Star Online in general, Neil, I want I want to see if you could take us through how you actually connect to the internet with this game. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. yeah so I'm gonna go back in time now, and if I could talk to Luigi as a little boy, tell him like, here's what you got to do, buddy. To get to <laughs> like, Fantasy Star Online. Like seventeen. <laughs> Let me explain to you the internet. Uh, actually, I did so, need yeah. that explained to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed it now. Like, I still don't even know. I, I never connect. My, I've never have. Like, there's only about eight games that support online, and most of that's for LAN. The thing is that I so, had experience playing online games. Like, on, on we, PC. I was playing like, Doom Wads and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just didn't know it. Yeah. Uh, that my dad was downloading, like, voice packs for Doom and Lynx 386 Golfing so that Caddyshack quotes would fly out of the golf game when I did stuff. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> so Nintendo released two networking accessories for the GameCube in October of 2002. Uh, they were produced by uh, two different companies, uh, but the, the adapters fit flush into Serial Port 1. Listeners, if you're following along at home, you can flip your GameCube over and look at the weird ports on the underside of your GameCube to find where that would be. Uh, the broadband adapter is built for faster internet speeds and adds an Ethernet jack to the side of the console. Uh, while the modem adapter adds a phone jack and operates through dial-up. So you can also connect through dial-up, which we had to deal with back in the day as well. Yes. Uh, and then there is also the added uh, attachment for Fantasy Star Online, where to help players communicate in Fantasy Star Online, since this was pre-voice chat, at least on GameCube, voice chat existed on Dreamcast, I think, but uh, ASCII, which I believe is pronounced ASCII Corporation, released a stretched out controller with a keyboard in the middle of it, so you could talk to your friends by typing to them. One of the greatest it's inventions glorious. of all time. It's so <laughs> glorious. I love. This is probably my favorite peripheral of all time. Say that like something happened, like a river overflows, and like there's a, a, a trapped group of kindergartners on one side that need to get across. You could use that thing as a bridge to get all twenty of them across. <laughs> it's, it's comical. Huge. It's it, it is comical. Solid it, as a rock. Yeah. Oh, do you do you own one? No. Oh, <laughs> I want. Oh, it's amazing, and I am envious of anyone who does. 
I would love to get my hands on that. I would spend an irresponsible amount of money to to get that controller. Well, Dreamcast, they were giving away keyboards. Yeah. Towards the end of that thing to be like, come on, man, it gets on. Here's Fred <laughs> Durst. He's going to go on the Internet. Don't you want to go on the Internet like Fred Durst? Dude, really? Like, exactly. Now, one of these one of these controller keyboards goes on eBay now for between $250 and $400, which is a pretty expensive purchase for you there, Mike. Uh, but I would love to know, like, if this works, like, on Switch, because it connects using two of the GameCube controller ports, which means you could arguably use it with your GameCube adapter for Smash. I just don't know what you if you if you could use it like on a browser or something. Like I don't know. Open up the developer console. <laughs> yeah. Start start entering cheats in and screw everybody over. Even though there's this... much easier ways to connect a keyboard than a GameCube. Yeah. <laughs> just a simple USB will do just fine. But it, like this is just another reason though why Fantasy Star Online One and Two were so ahead of their time was that you could chat with people like being on MSN or Messenger. Uh, but you could also like communicate using emojis, which was the preferred way of communicating, like the universal language, like how most people communicate now using emojis. You could even send email like things where you'd send a message to a friend if they're offline. It would be like a little post-it note message that they would eventually see when they come back online, which is really neat. And the keyboard had both English and Japanese uh, figures on it. So and it would translate for you. Like if you're talking to someone who's playing in Japan, it would translate the words. There, there were certain like... Um you know, quick phrases or, you know, keywords yeah. or things like that, that they found would translate across multiple languages, mm. but. Must've been some funny communications back then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel so bad for my, my best friend, uh, his mom, because she had to hear all of that information that you just read over the course of 20 minutes um, when we got this game. <laughs> yeah, there was, if you didn't have this keyboard, though, you could communicate just using an on-screen keyboard, which is not quite as good. But, man, this would have been such a cool, like, pack-in to get, like, a GameCube Fantasy Star Online and this ridiculous keyboard to go with it. I just want to find a way to connect this thing to my, my desk at work so I can communicate, so I can use it, like, at work. That'd be a hilarious. And so, like, you you know, just want to quickly wrap up here. Uh, Fantasy Star Online Plus, you did already mention that um, it was basically um, like a patch uh, at yeah. this point. And uh, it was, yeah, remo used to remove the glitch used by hackers to play online without having to pay for a subscription, which at the time was mm -hmm. eight ninety five, dollars um, yep. Because they basically just used a regular PC as a computer for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what a shame. It's kind of hard to tell, like, just at first glance, if you have Episode 1 and 2 or Episode 1 and 2 Plus, because they're... They're similar box art, like similar logos and everything. So, Luigi, you, you you still own this game. Do you have the plus version or the original version that you could uh, glitch? I have the just the GameCube one. I thought the plus version only hit on PC and Xbox. No, it was also on GameCube. According oh, it was too. Oh, really? According okay, to no, our yeah. uh, uh, our our findings. I must have misheard because up until today, I did not know there was a plus version. So there yeah, you know. um, yeah. So no, I I did not. Uh, although my friend had the Xbox version, and uh, but I didn't know that was I didn't find that out until after high school, and I was like, oh, you wait, you played this game too? <laughs> it's a hidden gem. It's a hidden gem. Oh for... yeah, yeah, that, and that's happened a few times in my life where uh, I was I used to work in in restaurants, and one of uh, my best friends that I met doing that, who was uh, one of my uh, groomsmen. We would talk about video games and stuff, but the day, like, we were working together for a couple of months before, like, we both, someone said Fantasy Star Online, and the other one <laughs> lost their mind. Yeah. And course. I was like, yeah. I have it. 
over <laughs> that way, pointing at my house. <laughs> <laughs> so for the next few months, uh, we played lots and lots of Fantasy Star Online. And then his friends started showing up, for, you know, his friends from when he was growing up started showing up with their GameCube memory cards with their characters on them. And from when they were kids. And so, yeah, we would just kind of have these big PSO parties and it was great. I love that. I love a story like that. That's so cool. It's too bad that you couldn't have got together online to play, but unfortunately they shut down the servers. They shut down the servers 15 years ago. So you can't play. I, I believe that some private servers have been set up since then. So if you, if you pick up the uh, broadband adapter and the ethernet port and everything, maybe you can Frankenstein your way to playing uh Fantasy Star Online online again uh, on the GameCube in 2022. Well, we're going to talk about the ways to play online today with our next guest, Neil. So uh, mm-hmm. That's stay true. tuned for that. Uh, and last question of the day then for you, Luigi, is where do you see the Fantasy Star Online series going? I mean, we or just Fantasy Star series in general. Uh, obviously, these were really well received when they came out. Uh, really interesting games, different, completely were revolutionary for the sixth generation of consoles, but uh, where do you see this going in the future? Well, I mean, when we got PSO2, I mean, Japan got it. Mm-hmm. And if you were uh, a very enterprising soul, you could you could break your way into it if you were really committed. I was not, but <laughs> I, I was... I was content to occasionally get uh, stories listening to the Giant Bombcast because Jeff Gersman is a huge fan of... Uh, he played it on Dreamcast. So he is, was always talking about what it takes to get onto a Japanese server, what, what kind of, you know, what, how you have to pay, uh, all that stuff. So uh, I never wanted to do it. But yeah, I definitely... Um, so I'm I'm an emotional person, uh, so I, I definitely did cry a little bit when they announced it at E3, and, but I haven't spent too much time with uh, PSO2. I, I don't know. I, I, I just like playing. I, I would like to... I would like to learn Dolphin and uh, mm. a little bit better and just play online with friends through that way. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the way most GameCube games should be enjoyed these days. Honestly. N- Nintendo doesn't want us to to give them money for them, so we have to find our own way to do it. I bet Sega would be willing to make that deal if they ever made a a GameCube channel for the Switch. It would I feel be like nice. that they could do it. That would be yeah. really, really cool. That's where I would like this game to live is just as a as a new as a, a Nintendo Online Plus thing that you pay for. Mm. You know, kind of like how we have the N64, we're getting the Mario Kart DLCs. Give me the Fantasy Star Online uh as a plus. That like that would be that would be so cool. That would um, be great. But Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2 plus plus. That's what my plus. <laughs> <laughs> the plus plus. Yeah. Exactly. I just wanted to say that one thing that's really great about this is you're not really penalized and in fact are like encouraged to to play with others, to play co-op. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times when you are in an RPG and like, or in a co-op situation or whatever, and like someone you got, you share a kill, like you both put damage into an enemy, uh, you'll like get way less XP mm-hmm. and you, you barely get less than if you had taken it out yourself. It's like, like maybe around a mm-hmm. 20% hit to the XP that you get. So like it, it is encouraging you to play with more and more people. I'm like, look, see, you still get a bunch of experience. Like, this is the way the game is meant to be played, so. That's awesome. That's actually awesome to hear. Yeah, because it just is encouraging cooperative gameplay, which is basically what Fantasy Star Online 
is supposed to all be all about. Like it's supposed to be about working together, you know, <laughs> overcoming adversity together. <laughs> exactly. Which, which I like better than an MMO. So, yeah. Oh, well, Luigi, thank you very much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. We're going to give you this chance to plug whatever content you'd like to plug right now. Hey, all right. Well, th yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, if you like the Legend of Zelda series, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash chat of the wild because we have a new tier. Uh, you get to play monthly games with us. You get episodes a week early, no ads, uh, access to that atrocious season we did uh, reviewing the Zelda cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, boy. You poor souls. <laughs> come come we we suffered so you don't have to watch it please don't watch it but listen it's great and uh yeah if you subscribe at that tier uh also you know get to hang out in the discord and all that good stuff uh you get access to all that stuff uh also need for speed running uh we just put up an episode about what was it link's awakening remake 2019 speed run that is an adorable speed run sweet because that game is kind of like a toy box you know like that kind of diorama <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, the way that you break that game is you basically just jump on top of the scenery and run around. Uh, and so it's like you're running on top of the toy box. And uh, it's great. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Any way you can break games open to have fun with them. I, I love stuff like that. So keep keep up the good work. And, and Link's Awakening Remake 2019. That was a fantastic game. I, I forgot. I wanted to mention the the speedrun strats for Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2. Um, okay. Apparently there is a way to... Uh, it, it like it's some frame perfect glitch or something in the shop where you you freak the game out enough to where it lets you uh, stack sixty three swords on top of one another, <laughs> and then you somehow attach those swords to your gun or something. What the? Okay. Um, what is happening right now? <laughs> or you, you're you holding the swords in one hand, and because you're getting that attack bonus, it transfers to your other hand, which is holding the weakest pistol in the game, and it turns it to the into the strongest weapon the game has ever seen. Oh, my God. Were you ever able to do that on the GameCube when you played no. it? No. Uh, God, no. No. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I saw this uh, strat mm. done uh, recently, and I was like, that's crazy. Damn. But you still have to play the game, you know, perfectly and shoot at everything, but right. everything just dies in one shot, so. They should make that a weapon. Just 63 swords in one arm. That should be a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanna, I just want to see some fan art of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for more crap like that, check out Need for Speed Running. It's real fun. Come come hang out. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you, Luigi, so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. And uh, listeners, if you like the sound of Luigi's voice, uh, go on back to our Pikmin 2 episode where Luigi joined us back then as well. And uh, we hope to have you back on again real soon for whatever games we end up talking about. We still have about 170 games to go, so we'll probably be able to get you back on for something. I like the game. People, I've been playing it a lot uh, recently. <laughs> Us too. I bet. I bet. I bet that happens a lot, uh, a lot with what you guys do. Comes with the territory. Well, take care, and we'll see you later. All right. Thanks. Take it easy, guys. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, uh, Luigi, for coming on today. Really appreciate everything that you had to say about uh, Fantasy Star Online, even though you did not play it online. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you know what, Neil? I was thinking while he was talking that Fantasy Star is kind of like a secret society almost yeah uh it's just like where everyone you know someone says fantasy star just in public they're like 
Are you talking about Fantasy Star Online? Yeah. Do you want to go play <laughs> Fantasy Star Online right now? And then, like, they, you decide that you can't play Fantasy Star Online because uh, the GameCube dropped their online service about 15 years ago, which is too bad, Mike. But uh, there are ways, secret ways in the secret society to play Fantasy Star Online, which uh, leads really well into our next caller. That's true. That's true. It does, Neil. Joining us today is Kayak, who actually runs the GameCube side of development for a private PSO server. And uh, our first question to you, since you are a first time guest of the show, is did you own a GameCube back in the day? Yes. So I had a GameCube. Uh, I got it in, for Christmas 2001. Uh, my mom got me a GameCube and maybe three or four games. Uh, Luigi's Mansion was definitely one of them, and I think Wave Race, another what was another one. I can't remember the other ones, but yes, I did. Hmm. I owned. I actually still own two GameCubes to date, and one of them I play on has a GC loader in it modded, so it'll never die, basically. Oh, sweet. very nice. And what colors are those two GameCubes now? Classic Indigo. Hey, very good, very good Beautiful. to see. And did you have a memory card for those GameCubes or one of those GameCubes when you first got it? Yes, I had a gray one, a 59 block. And then uh, I think a year or two later, the black ones came out, the 251s. Mm-hmm. So I have, uh, I got one of those. Uh, to date right now, I have six official Nintendo memory cards. Perfect. Sweet. So you'll never have to try and play through Luigi's Mansion uh, <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> no, no. So when you had a GameCube back in the day, were you a- were you ever able to get your hands on the uh, like the Ethernet ports and the um, the modems for the GameCube so that you could play games online, or were you more did you play Fantasy Star Online way later once uh, it was free on the internet? So I got Fantasy Star Online in, in two thousand two for Christmas. I didn't play it for about two to three months just because uh, I had gotten a bunch of games at that time. And I had to go to a like a small store that was behind a Toys R Us in like this really shady area to get a broadband <laughs> adapter. This was probably in like 2003. And I got it for like $30 when they were still being produced. So uh, that is the original one I used to date. I did buy a second one five or six years ago for $50. I just imagine some guy with like a, a massive trench coat, you know, with all these GameCube <laughs> peripherals in his jacket say, hey, want to buy uh, the new uh, GameCube keyboard? It's pretty cool. You can, like, you can type in Fantasy Star Online. Like the Resident <laughs> Evil merchant. Now, were, were these like, were these, were these licensed Nintendo products or were you buying like third party adapters? Uh, there's actually no third party broadband adapter. Oh, okay. okay. Good to know. Yeah. Your only options to go online is to use a dial-up adapter, which requires extra steps. Mm. And then you have a broadband adapter, which is basically just plug and play with an Ethernet cord. And so what are your first memories of of playing Fantasy Star Online? Did you play, uh, was it episode one and two? Or was your first, I guess, intro to it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, My first intro to Fantasy Star was... uh, on the GameCube episode one and two uh, offline at first because uh, I didn't have mm-hmm. a broadband adapter right away. Right. At first, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with the game, but at first I only thought that you could play the first class humor because I must have hit the A button like really fast by mistake. <laughs> so it selected that character. It's like, okay, maybe I have to unlock characters or something. And then I was like, I went back and figured out that wasn't the case. But 
That is my first experience of fantasy star. <laughs> is that the class that you ended up sticking with, or did you later go back and start to play with different characters? I did not stick with that character, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. Um, <laughs> eventually, choice. I did make one later, but, uh, you know, I I have a lot of hours on this game, so I've played all the classes. And what would you say is your favorite of, of, of all of them, of your, your go-to, you would say? I have two level 200 Hue casts. Wow. So, that would wow. probably be my favorite. Uh, I do like the Rangers, though. I do. I have. Okay, so I have a total of eight 200 characters. Oh, my God. Yeah, so two full memory cards. And um, I have a third memory card with some 170s on them. So I'm working my way to get more. But it takes a very long time. Well, so I was going to ask, how long approximately do you think it took you to get to 200 for one character? I think on average for the first time for the average player, it's going to take about a thousand hours. My God. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. It takes a long you time. A... <laughs> now, were you ever, did you ever go to the, the sequels, like the Fantasy Star games? I know that there were a couple of iterations on PSP. Uh, there's the third Fantasy Star Online Episode 3 game on GameCube. Or did you just stick with Fantasy Star 1 and 2? Years later, I would say in 2008 or 2009, a little bit after the Sega servers had closed, I ended up buying Episode 3. I just loved how that game played because it was much slower and much more of a thinking man's game versus uh, Episode 1 and 2, which is more reactionary. So I thought that was, we were talking about that earlier, how, you know, almost of a right turn that was having a... Uh, calling a fantasy star online game like episode three and then having it basically be just like Yu-Gi-Oh almost in a sense. Nintendo and Sega were really trying to cash in on that TCG era in the early 2000s. <laughs> they were really trying to, uh, you know, cash it, get their big check. But uh, I think it, it definitely, the game definitely was not received as well because I think people yeah. expected another game like episode one and two. And that just, it was very far from it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was definitely. I, I was, I had never really heard. I knew of one and two pretty well, but I had never heard of three until we started doing research for this podcast. Because I don't really even see this game anywhere, uh, and so I'm looking it up. I was like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it, it rates pretty low. It's like a seven out of ten, so it's the lowest rated of the three GameCube games, and it's even hard to find on eBay. Like at least when I looked a couple of days ago, there was only. A couple of complete copies, and I think they were all PAL versions. Like the North American version is pretty hard to find uh, on eBay, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it was a ch it was a change from what people were expecting. But I'm glad to hear uh, that you kayak you liked the game because mm -hmm. I, I appreciate it when when developers do something different. The majority of people don't like it, but there's always a couple of standouts who who still enjoy it. And I guess now the the real question that I want to get to is how did you get into the Fantasy Star games in terms of the online maintenance and everything? I still, like, I have modern consoles, like I have a PS4, I have a Nintendo Switch, and I still play those. But with, uh, you know, the GameCube servers, you know, I, I, I'm the GameCube administrator for the ShitServe server. And, you know, that all started back, I'd say, in like 2016, 2017, around there. Mm -hmm. um, just to give a little bit of server history, not to go on a huge tangent, but <laughs> basically... Um, the ShitServe server was actually down for over a year because of uh, poor management and uh, just neglect at the time by the, by the current leaders and the original creator of the, shits, the ShitHack server, whose name is the same, ShitHack, 
Uh, he ended up coming back in 2016 to revive the server, and he's still, you know, he remains as the owner to the to date. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I heard he was coming back, I had never gotten a chance to, you know, talk to him or meet him back in the day. So, you know, I just introduced myself and said, uh, you know, hi, uh, I used to help with episode three development back in like 2010. I was just wondering, you know, where the server's at because you can't play card revolution online anywhere at all except shit serve mm-hmm. it's the only place that it's functional episode one and two there's options but yeah uh card revolution you can't play it anywhere else so that's kind of how it all started and what's the population like what's the activity like on this server these days uh on a day-to-day basis uh you know we get i'd say it's it's there's always peak hours so yeah peak hours are right around now i would say uh evening Eastern time. So we get sure. we get like 20 to 30. We peak. Sometimes we'll hit 40 for GameCube. Mm-hmm. For episode three, it's not too common to get players on randomly. You kind of have to organize games just because that's kind of how that game is. It's yeah. PvP online. So, you know, there's not really ran- a lot of random people just randomly playing against computers because that's boring. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So... But yeah, episode one and two, you can pretty much log on at any time of day and find people to play with. That's crazy. Wow. That's, you know, that's for amazing. a 20-year-old game, really. Uh, and that's amazing that you guys are being able to, to upkeep it. And, you know, if, if Neil and I decided today that we're now huge PSO fans, we want to join the server, we want to, you know, uh, try it out, how, how would we go about that? What would be our steps to do that? You have basically four different ways to play PSO online. Uh, you can use a GameCube with all original hardware. You mm-hmm. also will need a broadband adapter. Um, that I can get from the guy behind Toys R Us. Yes, yes. That <laughs> shady store I went to about 20 years ago. <laughs> Except now you have to pay, instead of paying $30, you pay 100 bucks for those now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah easily. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, you could also use a soft modded Wii, which is the most popular way. It's also the mm-hmm. cheapest. Because uh, mm-hmm. you basically, your Wii, you you use an emulator that emulates the broadband adapter. So you basically save yourself a ton of money and obviously you don't need to own the game to play it. So uh, that would be option number two. You can also use a soft modded Wii U as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not very familiar with the Wii U as I do not own one, but uh, there are people who out there who play on it and you can play on the gamepad as well, which is kind of neat. There you go, oh, Neil. Wow. Finally, a use for your, your Wii U that's just sitting in the closet. Uh, a reason to, to, to blow the dust off my Wii U, finally. <laughs> now, do, do you think that there's any chance of Sega and Nintendo coming together and putting this game out proper? Or do you think that Fantasy Star Online will just exist in, uh, in the servers that you and, and your friends are keeping up? Uh, I really don't see that happening. Um, it would kind of shoot themselves in the foot because of uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 existing. Uh, mm-hmm. new, I'm talking about New Genesis um, right. that is their that is their baby right now. I think if they were to go to an older game, I think it would really just not benefit them at all. I think people in general like the older game more. <laughs> so, because yeah. like, we get a lot of players coming from New Genesis saying, oh, I wanted to try this game because I don't like New Genesis, so on and so forth. Mm. So That's too bad. It's crazy. Like, if you just look up Fantasy Star Online, like, the first thing on Google that you find... Are all these articles about how, um, uh, like, Fantasy Star Online, the original episode one and two, won't die? 
because right. of fans. And that's just something that really warms my heart. Uh, there's a great one on uh, PC Gamer just about how uh, it's in 2017. So it's, it's you know, relatively old now. But it's it tells the good story, like the, the right story about just how you guys have done a great job of upkeeping this. And, and people keep coming back to it because these are good games. They're actually very fun and very replayable and like clearly replayable if you can uh, put 10,000 hours into it (laughs) and 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 it's just it's just so unique in that aspect and I think there's something you know because I used to be part of uh, a modding community for NHL games uh, back in the day and you know we NHL 09 was the last game that was put on PC and so for years and years and years we used NHL 04 and NHL 09 um software to create all these sim leagues and there's something about keeping an old game alive that is that brings a lot of people in i don't know i don't know what it is but it always made me really happy (laughs) the one thing about the gamecube the the pso gamecube community too is um generally speaking you get a lot of nice people because you know it's it's not a game that you can just pick up and play like easily you know there's a little bit of work involved that you have to do and you know, generally speaking, the people that don't want to do any work at all to play a game, they just want to click a couple buttons and play, they're generally not the most grateful people. So I think because you have to do a little bit of uh, work to even play online, I think there's pe- the people that are coming to us are just appreciative that they can play at all, you know? Yeah, that's the same way with um when with the NHL games too. It's just the appreciation of that. I can I can just play this, you know, and that there is a community dedicated solely to to these games, which is really really special. For sure. I mean, our we have a Discord server that's just kind of like a a general uh PSO GameCube Discord for episodes 1, 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have almost 2000 members in there. Wow. So, wow. you know, and we post our updates on there all the time for the ShitServe server because, you know, we come out with new quests, we develop new stuff and features and, you know, stuff that Sega never did that we're just able to do because basically uh, ShitHack is a genius. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff that we are able to do now that wasn't available in the past. And speaking of things that were not available in the past, a uh, big thing today about online gaming is uh, voice chat and talking to your friends while you're playing. Kayak, I got to know, does anybody still play Fantasy Star Online using the beautiful GameCube keyboard controller? Or has everyone <laughs> switched over to just uh, headsets? <laughs> uh, no, there's definitely people that use uh, a ton of different types of keyboards to type in-game. Um, it's actually... Nice. Still, I think typing in-game is still pretty preferred uh, over, yeah. like, a voice chat. Interesting. Um, people do, don't get me wrong, people definitely voice chat. But, you know, for me, I don't have one of those big controllers because I actually find it really annoying to type on them because uh, the keys are so small. Yeah. So oh, okay. I actually have a old uh, Detel adapter that lets me plug in a PS slash 2 keyboard. Oh, so okay. I'm able to use a keyboard that way. However, if you're using a Wii, you can just plug in any Bluetooth wireless controller with a USB and it works. Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly Wii is probably the best way if you want to get into this game in this community at, at this point in time. For sure. And obviously I didn't mention Dolphin earlier either. That's also the last option. 
you can right. play Dolphin online with you know on servers. It's just it has a little more of an involved setup, but it does work. Right. Sure. Well, that's. I mean, even the fact, like, I think just alone the fact that you can still use the actual GameCube, you know, from 2001 to play this game uh, continuously online today with people is is really really cool. That just that warms my heart. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure if you guys are aware either, but Sega also did port this game to the Xbox, the original one. That's so right. Mm-hmm. There is a we're not really involved with them, but there is another team that is basically doing a whole revival of Xbox Live version 1.0. Mm. Oh wow! We actually got early access to test it last year, and we were able. I bought an Xbox and everything that I needed to connect with it, and it worked. It was the first time that anyone's ever connected on an Xbox in 10 years or 15 years. <laughs> it, it's so funny talking about this stuff. It sounds like that you're describing like dis- discovering an ancient civilization in like a Tomb Raider game or something. It's yeah. so neat that you guys have been keeping this alive for, for 20 years. Like hats off to you. Like Mike, Mike and I are very big on just playing a game and then kind of moving on, except for something like Roller Coaster Tycoon. I think we pretty much don't play many games from back in the day. And Nightfire, of course. If there was an online community for Nightfire, we'd be in there just as hard as you are right now for Fantasy Star Online. So great job on keeping this alive. That's incredible that there's even an Xbox community too. Their project name is Insignia, by the way, and you can find them pretty much... Uh, you, you just search for Insignia Xbox Live replacement, uh, you'll find them. They also have a large Discord server of about 5,000 members as well. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of people that are really wanting to play like old games. Like The big one is Halo 2, right? Everyone wants Halo okay. 2. But sure. PSO, in all likelihood, will be a launch game for Insignia when Insignia goes live. Um mm. And sh- they will be able to connect to the shit serve servers as well. Does that mean that there'll be crossplay between you and the Xbox community? We've tried it, and it's it was functional. But last year, when we had our testing, their servers and software were basically held together by prayers and rubber bands. <laughs> so stability wasn't the greatest. So we're hoping, you know, when they're so what they're doing right now is they're rewriting all of their server software. So we're hoping okay. that this year they'll have a better uh, a better product for us to work with and see if stability is actually good. That's neat. Please let us know how that ends up going. Like we really want to know the outcome, and I'm sure the listeners do too. I'm I'm really interested in how this goes, and that's coming from somebody who only just started learning about Fantasy Star a couple of weeks ago. And I honestly thought that there is hope that this will come back in some way, especially after the recent Nintendo Direct where they just announced a whole bunch of like RPGs that were seemingly dead. I think that there's a chance Fantasy Star could come back, but if you think that it it isn't, then uh, please keep up the good work over there in your in your uh, in your servers and. Uh, let us know how things are going. Thank you. Yeah. I will for sure. I will. <laughs> and is there anything else you would like to touch on for these, uh, these games today? If you've never played fantasy star, definitely give it a try. It has a steep learning curve in the beginning, but you know, if you can get past that and, you know, learn more about the game and even join our discord community, ask a bunch of questions. Cause you know, the in-game there's no in-game tutorials, really. You're kind of just thrown in there and, yeah. okay, here you go. Go kill some monsters. <laughs> <laughs> there's some stuff, but very little to tell you how to play. But, uh, you know, if, if you've never played it, definitely give it a try. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And what is the name of your Discord server, just so the listeners can find you? 
called the Hunter's Guild. Hunter's Guild. Okay, perfect. Cool. Well, yeah, thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's it's so interesting to get this side of a game because uh, there's only a couple of games that we've talked about so far in this podcast that still have a really, really active community. I mean, there's only so many you can play online still, for one. But uh, uh, I think the one that comes to mind is Thug Pro. You know, Tony Hawk Underground is a huge community of people who are basically making uh, Tony Hawk Underground Pro uh, because Activision and Never Stop never did. <laughs> right. uh, and that reminds me a lot of, of this with Fantasy Star Online and how you guys were continually improving everything too. And uh, it's a lot of work. I, I've I've been there. I understand it. Uh, and I understand how devoted uh, you must be to, to keep it up. So yeah, once again, great work. And uh, please, everyone, check out uh, that Discord server. And if you're interested in Fantasy Star Online, or if you are part of that secret society who knows about Fantasy Star Online and wants to play it still, you know where to go. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. Thank you guys so much for having me. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, maybe I will see you guys playing PSO sometime. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, for sure. (laughs) That'd be sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds like a plan. You guys take care. You too. Take care. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you once again, Kayak, for coming on. And yeah, that was just fantastic, Neil. I had so much fun having him on to talk about this. Such such a unique thing. And so many hours put into it. Not just, you know, he said he put 10,000 hours into the game itself. But then there's all the hours put into the upkeep, the maintenance, the the working with people on Discord. And and honestly, mm-hmm. probably not a lot of hours put into baiting people. I didn't ask him about that. But I want, <laughs> I was thinking because everywhere you see from these articles when they talk about Fantasy Star Online players, it is what he said. So we just really nice people mm-hmm. playing it who just want to find a way to play this 20-year-old game. Yeah, I think the smaller the community you have, and the more dedicated they're going to be to keeping the community pure and whole and every, like wholesome and whatnot. Pure and community. Just a pure community and like helping new like, people. <laughs> sounds like a cult. Now. <laughs> Before we get too cultish, Mike, let's hit the back of the case for Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2 and Fantasy Star Online Episode 3. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. The darkness has returned. The planet Raggle is once again in peril. New character classes and weapons are at your disposal, but only your skills as a hunter will keep you alive. Brave the depths of evil alone or enlist the aid of three heroes in split-screen play. Once you have conquered the darkness, go online and take your experience to the next level. However you choose to play, know this, evil has returned to Raggle, and a new adventure awaits. Very good. Moving on to Fantasy Star Online Episode 3. Fate's deck awaits you. Once again, war rages on the planet Raggle. In the... It's a weird... That's a weird planet. Once again, (laughs) war rages on the planet Raggle in the third installment of Fantasy Star Online Saga. Experience a new style of strategic combat as you draw upon powerful cards to wage battle against your opponents. Choose the path of the hero or the arcs and enter into the conflict that rages on the planet Raggle as the next generation of hunters. Your fate as victor or victim has never been more in your hands. Nice. Very nice, very nice. Mm -hmm. Uh... I wanted to say for episode one and two, I, I, I we we kind of touched on it, but this wasn't just a simple Dreamcast port. This was like a really, this was almost like a brand new game. 
yeah. uh, with all the stuff that they put into it. And, you know, we've talked at length about the game itself, but this is a really good game. <laughs> like, yeah. like critically and everything, like it, it, it's on uh, a lot of top 20 lists and, and clearly can be played without online as well. Like it's just a really, really good RPG. You know, there's uh, there's got great new features in it. It's got the multiplayer split screen mode, three new character classes, game rebalancing, reduced experience point requirements, mm-hmm. uh, recalibrate. Everything was, was fixed in it. And the, the next thing we're going to talk about, Neil, is basically the same thing they sega realized what was wrong with the dreamcast version mm-hmm. and they went ahead and fixed most of the problems on the gamecube exactly yeah it's like what we were talking about back there with fantasy star online instead of patching a game you just release the game again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> and the game of course that we're talking about here is skies of arcadia legends which was released on january 27th 2003 this game was developed by overworks published again by sega it's also on Dreamcast, that's the original version, and then there was a PS2 version which was announced but then cancelled. It rates a 9 out of 10, priced today at around $300, making this one of the more expensive games that we've ever talked about. It's a single-player RPG, no online for this one, unfortunately. Uh, sales for the Dreamcast are around 200,000, and the GameCube only 100,000 copies, so 300,000 copies sold in total, approximately for Skies of Arcadia, but... Uh, this is a cult classic through and through. This is one of the games that you talk about and you hear about if you talk about RPGs on the GameCube. All the time. And it's mm-hmm. often referred to as one of the best RPGs on the GameCube, one of the best games for the GameCube, and honestly, one of the best RPGs of all time. Um, yeah. Nintendo Life, actually, they had a, uh, a poll out a couple years ago rating the the highest fan-rated games on the GameCube. And I remember seeing it, and, you know, you got your Primes, you got your Wind Wakers, you got your Resident Evil 4s, and there at number 9 was Skies of Arcadia Legends. And that was one of the first hmm. times I had seen that game that high. Uh, and I, I actually do have some experience with this game, Neil. I played it at a friend's house back in the day. Uh, who ha- He had this game for GameCube, did not have it for Dreamcast, um, had it for GameCube, and I just remember it being really it's really cool for a kid to be fair yeah bright colorful i actually read how it was uh the the devs tried to make it the opposite of what jrpgs were at the time which were these you know really dark uh, grimacing games almost uh right. you think of games like ocarina for example as being always qu- quite dark uh final fantasy 7 same thing and um, and the de- developers wanted to make a conscious effort to try and make it into this bright, youthful experience, and uh, and I think it worked really well because I was encapsulated from like the moment I first saw it. Yeah, and it's a team made up of developers who were ex Panzer Dragoon and Fantasy Star teams, so they had a lot of knowledge in making RPGs. And like you said, they made it brighter instead of being this kind of ground, this grounded character like Link, who is in mountains and caves the entire time. This game is completely like in the sky you're in pirate ships flying through the air you're fighting there's empires and rebels like star wars there's bad guys there's legends it's a traditional jrpg story but with with just an interesting coat of paint it's hard not to compare this game again to its predecessors and its competitors like fantasy star and final fantasy because it does take that steampunk uh influences um but it just does it so much better and it looks so cool and you wouldn't know this was a port of a dreamcast game this feels like a gamecube exclusive just on its own oh it really does i mean Mm -hmm. it's and and there's and there's just so much stuff fixed in this game too from the dreamcast version 
Oh my god, dude. Like the the one thing that came to mind for me first was the random encounters incur less frequently. Uh yes. the game also loads considerably faster. But just going back to random encounters, I gotta ask you, does anybody actually like those? Uh, we talked about them in the Pokemon uh episode, you know, with how I actually liked Colosseum a lot because I didn't have to deal with these random encounters anymore. And right. yeah, it's you know, it's okay sometimes. It's all like mm-hmm. sometimes it's all right and and it's really about balance right just give me a balanced array of random encounters i think that it'd be better if you could just toggle the random encounters like in playing just original pokemon games like let me just walk through the grass without having to to battle a pidgey again please like let me just turn it off turn it to less frequently or turn it on to intense it would just help speed up like grinding instead of walking around looking for weak guys maybe let me just encounter more stronger guys so i can level up faster like i'm okay battling people out in the wild but I just feel like any time an RPG is improved, it's almost always because they removed random encounters. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and and because of that, you actually get more experience per uh, uh, per enemy in the right. GameCube version. So I like that a lot, too. Just it allows you to level up a little faster. Yeah. Like, let me fight less enemies, but let the experience points be more meaningful. I think yeah. that's that would be way more enjoyable for me. So and and the story of this game, I don't want to spoil anything, but it you know it's a very RPG style uh, game in terms of the story where. Uh, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff that goes on, a lot of twists and turns, but you do constantly mm-hmm. want to see what happens next. Uh, and it makes for just a very fun, not even just RPG game, but very fun adventure game. And probably my favorite part about this whole game, Neil, is actually the dialogue. Okay. Um, the dialogue is just very, very different from any RPG at the time or even today. So like when you think of an RPG game, you think of pretty... Uh, pretty shaky dialogue, I would call it. Uh, at best, at best, at best. Yeah, yeah. the the, ra- the writing is usually Japanese writing that would just you know translate it over. So a lot of mm-hmm. saying the, the character's name over and over again. Boy, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it's that that trope. But yeah. um, in in Skies of Arcadia, it didn't really have that um, almost anime style at all, and it, it really felt closer to. Uh, I want to compare it to an Animal Crossing dialogue than a Final Fantasy dialogue. Okay. And uh, and there's a lot of effort put into localization. So, like, like massive amount of hours and money spent on this. Uh, nice. And so much so that only a small amount of original dialogue from the, the game, like the Japanese version of the game, survived uh, into English. And I just have a little quote here. Uh, sure. that I, I got from doing some research. And so some mature content was edited. The two people who worked on localization scaled back on references to Aika being assaulted when capturing mm. uh, and uh, references to Ramirez obsessively talking about Galician in later scenes of the game. All traces of cigarettes were removed. Uh, shops served loca juice instead of alcohol. And the female characters, uh, character Belina's attire is altered to be less revealing. Uh, the loca- <laughs> lo- localization was completed in four months. With eighty to hundred wow. hour work weeks on a script of over two thousand pages. Oh my god! Yeah, so uh, massive shout out to the people who localized this game because they made it such a unique experience because of that. Yeah, localization is not just translating it. You need it to make sense in the country that you're localizing it to. Yep. Uh, to make it palatable for for North Americans, and they did a bang up job in four months. That's incredible. 80-hour work weeks. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be amazed what you can get done working that much, sleeping sleeping under your desk probably. 
My favorite part about Skies of Arcadia is actually in the Dreamcast version, and it didn't make it over to the GameCube version uh, because the GameCube couldn't support this. And it was called Penta's Quest. Uh, it's a mini game in Skies of Arcadia that the Dreamcast's VMU, which was called the Visual Memory Unit, uh, it's basically like a little Game Boy that you could pop off of the, the Dreamcast and you could play a little kind of chibi version of, of Skies of Arcadia on the go. Uh, this is after you get to a certain point in the game, you can do this, but you, you can take your VMU, your little, basically like those Digimon Tamagotchis from back in the day. Yep. Picture that, uh, this little memory card thing with a screen on it. You can take it out on the go and it's a miniature RPG based on random encounters, which is fine if you're on the go, I suppose. Um, but you get to collect like experience points gold rare items and then take it back into the main game and then you have those experience points and it it really kind of reminded me of the um the pedometer that they added to pokemon games in the ds generation Mm. when when we were in high school and i remember seeing a couple people with those pokeballs strapped to their waist and uh telling me that they were collecting points to, to take back to their game. And I was like, yeah, you nerds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but th- this type of thing is so cool. I would love stuff like this. And I really wish that they could have done something like this with the, the Game Boy Advance link cable. I think that yeah. that would have been a really neat thing to do, like to take your game out on your Game Boy and then come back with the experience points that you gained. But I guess it didn't translate super well, but just a really neat thing that was in the Dreamcast version that was missing. Big missed opportunity there for sure. Yeah. They could have they could have done something cool there. The dream mm-hmm. The Dreamcast was cool, Neil. The Dreamcast was cool. The Dreamcast was very cool. I would love to get into that console one day, but uh, we still have so much GameCube left to talk about. That's right, we do. And I did want to say one more thing about this game. And it's not necessarily just about this game, but it's about Sega. This whole episode is about Sega, clearly. All these games are Sega published, and uh, quite a few of them were made by uh, Team Sonic, who was the main, I guess, developers at Sega. And what I thought was interesting with Skies of Arcadia was that it was never really supposed to be on GameCube. Uh, You mentioned uh, earlier that the original was going to be ported to the PS2, Uh, but uh, Sega and PS2, or Sega and PlayStation and Sony, had a falling out, which led to Sega choosing Nintendo uh, to move over most of their big games, Uh, and that, of course, included Skies of Arcadia. We have a whole episode about Dreamcast ports, uh, episode 10, so we talk about all the Sega games that came over, uh, Billy Hatcher as well, a whole bunch of them, and a lot of them were GameCube exclusive. And we've talked about it many times, but Sega really was keeping GameCube alive uh, for, for a lot of, uh, especially the, the end of GameCube's life cycle. Uh, they were one of the few developers who were loyal to Nintendo and really stuck with it instead of porting their games to all these different consoles. And uh, I just thought that was interesting to talk about for, uh, for this. And, and Nintendo even gave Sega the keys, no pun intended, to making an F-Zero game, which we talked about last year, too. Like, Sega was an incredibly supportive publisher and developer on the GameCube. Like, they did mm-hmm. not have to do this after years of uh, competing with GameCube. It's just a neat partnership that really went super well. Like, it's, Sega almost had, like, this parasitic relationship with Nintendo, just putting all of their games on here. Like, like it's a Dreamcast yeah. Part 2, but it worked so well, and, and so many memorable uh, Sega games came out of it. Uh, I love Sega, but I don't like Sonic. <laughs> yeah, well, while you're while you're getting angry at Sonic, uh, I of course have the 1001 uh, video games you must play before you die. And yes, Skies of Arcadia is in this game, Neil. Okay, Mike, let us know what they said in 1001 video games you must play before we eventually die. Skies of Arcadia was Sega's answer to the Dreamcast's lack of a Final Fantasy. It eventually made its way to the GameCube after the demise of Sega's own console. But if you weren't lucky enough to play the original, you'd have missed out 
with the Dreamcast tiny additional VMU hardware, a rather neat experiment in game mm-hmm. design. There you go, Neil. There it is. Yeah, see? They agree with me. They agree. Sky of Arcadia's most groundbreaking addition to the tried and tested Japanese RPG formula is how it handles the airship in which the Sky Pirates explore the world, providing an excellent pretext for limiting the player's progress. Rising above the airways or sinking beneath the clouds gives a very real sense of the epic scale of the game's world, while ship-to-ship battles bring another tactical dimension to combat. While Skies of Arcadia doesn't revolutionize the genre, it works within its constraints to achieve near perfection. It comprises a blend of puzzles, intricate combat mechanics, fantastic environments, one of the longest boss climaxes in the history of climaxes, yes, that's true, and some brilliant set pieces, a sequence played out by from multiple perspectives, for example. Unsullied by the sulky teenagers seen in some of Square's games, this is Blue Skies Gaming at its best. Yeah, that's the way they ended it there. Blue Skies Gaming is definitely how I would... Uh, describe this game a very happy light rpg but also with a lot of conflict and and you know real i guess real issues going on in the game too (laughs) yeah it's like an adult rpg so like what luigi said like pokemon gets us into rpgs but it's up to games like skies of arcadia to carry it into more adult themes which is good to see yeah and i mean it's if you like pirates uh if you like uh, the steampunk genre, if you like uh, being able to really explore the skies and stuff like that, this is all, honestly the game for you. Even if you're not really into RPGs, I think this this would uh, would be able to bring you over, even you, Neil. Like, it sold, what, like 300,000 or I guess 100,000 total on the GameCube, which is right. bad, but it's not as bad as something like uh, like Cubivore, right? Or or Pokemon right. Box. So it's, it's a yeah. game as a collector, personally. I'd watch out for because at some point its value will go down because there are copies around where like, yeah, yeah Cube of War Pokemon box will always, you know, they have such a limited release. So their value will always retain, like they'll always go up. And those games have a slim to no chance of ever getting remade or ported where I think Skies of Arcadia and most other Sega games do. Yeah. Just because Sega is still in business, Nintendo is still in business, RPGs are still huge. Uh, so it makes sense to go back to them. Yeah. Well, while I'm getting angry that there isn't uh, a Skies of Arcadia 2 out yet, Neil, why don't you read the back of the case? Sure thing, Mike. Battle to save Arcadia. You are Viz, or Viz, or Visa, a young pirate on a quest to save Arcadia. Vibes. Wage battle against an evil empire as you make a name for yourself on land and in the sky. Will you become a legend? I think it's Viz. I don't want to become a legend. That means I die. Maybe it's Vise. I don't know. I guess you could be a living legend. Maybe it's Vise. Yeah. Maybe it isn't. Yeah, we'll see. Someone <laughs> correct us out there. Well, if you want to correct us on that fact, you can write in and we will read it in the beginning of the next episode. But let's move on to the next game of the day, which is Amazing Island. That's right. The last game for the Sega episode, Neil, Amazing Island. And, well, it's amazing in some ways. So Amazing Island was released on August 25th, 2004. The game was developed by Ancient and Hitmaker, two developers, which is kind of neat, published by Sega. This is a GameCube exclusive, rates about a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $60. And the best way to define the genre of this game is it's a mix of Pokemon and Mario Party, which is really neat. Yeah, I yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> That's what it says on the back of the box. We'll get to that later. Really? Okay. Yeah, but 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 uh, before we talk about the back of the box, we need to talk about the game. But before we do that, I want to go back and talk about the developers a little bit. Ancient 
And then the developer Hitmaker. Ancient was found in 1990. They actually are still around. They employ 15 people. Uh, they developed Sonic the Hedgehog, Shenmue, and a bunch of other Sega RPGs, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, they're, uh, they're a family-found game developer, which you don't hear about too often. Uh, the music composer Yuzo Koshiro was a composer for Sonic the Hedgehog. He founded this company with his sister and his mom. Which is kind of cool. Kinda yeah. Fun. yeah. little family company there. And then Hitmaker, originally known as Sega AM R&D3, was founded in 1993. They went defunct in 2009. Uh, they were they were responsible for games like Virtual On, Sega Rally, Crazy Taxi, Virtua Tennis, and most arcade games until the Dreamcast, which is kind of cool. So these two studios came together and made a bit of a Sega Pokemon clone, if you will. In a way, but this is one of the most unique games I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, on any console you know this this could have uh easily been in our strange games episode when we talked about things like metal arms and ribbit king mm-hmm. uh and chibi robo also could have been in there too it's 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 in that category of hard yeah. to define genre wise because it's an rpg game in theory but it's also a party game but it's also a you know customization game like a like custom robo we talked about a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different elements in here and uh, also, just an aside, there's so much content online about this game. Like, so yeah. many playthroughs of it. There's tons of great videos. Uh, one especially that I loved was by uh, Jaden Animations, uh, Amazing Island, the game you wish you played. That's mm. a fantastic video. Uh, she does all the, like, everything's animated, too, in it. Like, it's, like, oh, her cool. going through the game, going through creating these characters. Really cool video. Learned a lot about Amazing Island what the hell it is because we have a friend of the show john who uh knows amazing island and would often reference it and it just was like what is this game what is stupid title like what yeah. what is this it sounds like a disneyland ride or something like i it know yeah it doesn't sound like like it, the, the title is just terrible I, I think that they could have definitely had like maybe a subtitle to it or something make it a bit more like make it pop a bit more and it, it sounds like a movie art. yeah the box art's bad it just sounds like a movie tie-in or like a cartoon tie-in yeah, like it didn't it didn't tell me anything, and then yeah, like the box art just having Amazing Island with this kid on it, mm-hmm. with like these monsters or like I guess creatures behind him. Right. Just I was like, what? What? what the, I can't. If I was a parent looking at this, I'd be like, I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> yeah, and then on the like I said on the back of the case, like you read it and it says, uh, think of it as Pokemon meets Mario Party. Uh, what could be better combo than that? And if you're a parent buying a video game. Uh, first of all, you have no idea what that means because you probably don't play those games. You just know your kid likes them. And then your next thought is think is probably, okay, I'm just going to go buy Pokemon and Mario Party for my kid. <laughs> yeah, it, to, to actually name drop Pokemon and Mario Party yeah. is pretty crazy. I guess they were allowed to do it because it is an exclusive GameCube game. Right. But still, like, I, why would you? That's and, like, uh, it's, it's like dumbing down your game, basically. Yeah, and it's a quote, so it's not like the developers made it. It's an interesting no. thing to put on. I wouldn't want to, like, like it's like putting out a record and saying, "Yeah, we're like a combination of Green Day and Blink." So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like uh, it's selling yourself short almost in a way too, yeah. because it's like, well, I have to compare to these for you to know what I am. Yeah, I know. You don't hear companies doing that. Like you don't ever compare yourself to two other companies. I mean, we do it all the time comparing games. It's okay for like the outside fans to do it because it's how we relate to to new games. You you talk about Metroidvanias, like that entire genre is is made up of Metroid and Castlevania. Um, yeah. There aren't any other Pokemon Mario Party games, so there's no term Poke for Party. it. Poke Party. Poke Party. Hey, it's a good one. Not bad. Not too bad. Um, but this concept is kind of neat in that like, it takes the idea of Pokemon where you're given a monster, but instead, with this game, you're given the opportunity to create your own monster from scratch, which is really cool for me because 
the Pokemon games, really, honestly, over the last five to ten years, the, the design of Pokemon has become very stale. Um, I, I, I'm just tired of the designs at this point, honestly, sure. for the most part. Like, there's a few standouts in every generation, but every every couple of years, it's like, all right, here's another bird Pokemon, here's another rat Pokemon. But this game gives you the tools to say, you know what? Screw it. You make one. Like, yeah. And and sometimes your monster comes out looking like a dumpster <laughs> fire in a train wreck, uh, terribly looking dragon thing. Uh, but sometimes it comes out looking really cool. Like you start off the game and you get to answer all of these kind of questions about yourself, like a personality test or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're going to get told you're an introvert and you're an extrovert and all that, whatever that test is called. But instead you get this random dragon come out and then this is now your friend to play the game with. Yeah, it's uh, uh, that, like, the whole dialogue and everything and, mm-hmm. like, the wit that they have in it reminded me a lot of Animal Crossing. Even the yeah. graphics and everything, too. Mm-hmm. The, the text boxes, that was the first thing I thought of was Animal Crossing. And it just, it's, the world is, like, quite rich in that way. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. And just creating your characters is such a, like, it's so strange. I can't think of any other game that has even tried to do something like this. Like no. I, I wish, you know, we talked recently about the the Pokemon games that were on GameCube, which were good, uh, especially Gale of Darkness, but I, I wish Pokemon Coliseum mm. actually did this more. You know, yeah. combining the mini games, creating your own characters. Like, it would be really, really cool to be able to create your own Pokemon and then have them play these Pokemon Stadium-style minigames. Yeah, that'd be really weird. I don't know how they would tie that in because Pokemon are animals, right? Like, you don't ever really get a chance. You can crossbreed and everything in Pokemon. But I, I would even just like the opportunity to be able to customize the existing Pokemon. I don't yeah. think Pokemon Company or Nintendo would ever let you do that. But just, like, imagine if, like, you know, you're, you're playing Pokemon Stadium and then, like, you throw your Pokeball and out pops, like, this Metapod with arms and legs and, like, a sword and a shield and everything. Like, just make it completely yeah. goofy, like, wacky as hell. Let me add some sprinkles to my Vanillite. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, like, even small things, even just having different skins, like, that's kind of where... Yeah, I, I think one downside, well, it can be a downside or upside depending on how you look at it. But one downside for Amazing Island is that there's too much mm. for, for customizations. Like yeah. you have too much options, too many options. And especially for a kid, it's just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, you, that was one thing I thought of. And then, yeah, you finish your monster and it looks like crap. So you have to start again. Yeah. It could get a little bit frustrating. I, I can definitely see that. Like some of the Let's Plays I was watching on YouTube, it's like, oh my God, is that what monster, like, is that what they all look like? Because after a while, it's like, do any of these monsters look cool? Like I'm thinking about our custom robo episode or really any of the mech episodes. Like these, these robots look cool. Yeah. Uh, Cubics aside, like most of these, you know, mech robots look awesome. But like with, with this monster game, like you get like this kind of emaciated looking dragon with little wings <laughs> and like sunken eyes and everything. And it's like, oh, God, is he all right? Um, yeah. they, they don't look quite like they don't look like something I would necessarily want to go on an adventure on like a Pikachu or something. It, it, another thing it reminded me of was No Man's Sky. We brought it up early <laughs> oh, in the no. episode for uh, for coming to the Switch. Uh, but mm. No Man's Sky is like infamous for when it first came out. Uh, a lot of these computer-generated monsters were just these weird amalgamations mm. of different creatures. Right. And uh, I saw a couple of these while watching some gameplay. Uh, yeah, for example, the there was like a dog dragon slash scorpion thing. I can't yes. even describe it. Um, and so that's probably the weaker part of the game, in in my opinion. But I think where this game does shine is the mini games are really fun and addicting. Yeah, 
Yeah, the minigames are great, like, and the world itself. Like, the game is not yeah. called Amazing Monsters. It's called Amazing Island, and it is a really, really cool island that you'd, you'd like to see yourself as a kid exploring. Like, it's, it's got these giant volcanoes and this beach. Uh, it's all very bright. It's colorful. The, the blues of the water are, are nice. Like, I think this game looks better than the Pokemon games, honestly. Uh, <laughs> music is arguable. Like, it could be, the music could be a little bit stronger, but it's, it's a, you know, it's not a multi-million dollar game. It's a Sega game, which is fine. Uh, it gets along okay. And the environments, you know, there could be a little bit more detail when you're exploring the environments. But yeah, with the mini games, they're incredibly well detailed and they're very addicting. Like comparing it to Mario Party is fair because they're mini games, but the games don't resemble anything from Mario Party. Like there's a straight up Beyblade mini game in yeah. there, which was yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's the the the, the mini games are quite unique in that sense, and they did put a lot of effort into them. So I got to give them a lot of credit there. Got to give the the two devs uh, a lot of credit there. And yeah. one thing I was thinking of Neil for just you know future of this game, <laughs> I'm sure there's not one, but no. uh, I think this game really just came out too early because mm. this game would have killed it in the streaming era. Like oh, this, God. this is the game you do for streaming. This would yeah. have been amazing. Uh, the, the the fact that you could even get co- like collaborative um, uh, insight onto creating these creatures, because really what you're mm. doing with these creatures, you're trying to make them look as silly as possible and just like so stupid, or try and make them look like other things. Like I saw people trying to make Yoshi's uh, and, <laughs> and stuff like that, right? And it's a little bit like that that uh, game Dreams that came out I yeah. think a year or two ago. Is it even you... out yet, Dreams? I think oh that's yeah, one it's of been, those... no, no, it's been out for a while. Oh. Oh, okay. Well then, <laughs> it's like, it's like that game Dreams where you can kind of create these different worlds and wow. try and copy them. Uh, basically, like copy a Mario part, a Mario Super Mario World, uh, and so that's like this would have been so successful if it came out today. You know what, Mike? You're actually inspiring me here. If we happen to do in November the um, the Extra Life event this year, where we uh, sh- stream gaming for 24 hours, I think we should add this game to our list of potential games to play. The, Absolutely, it'd be a ton of fun to play. We get to show people our monster creations. The game is relatively short too. For it's technically an RPG, it takes about six hours to beat. And it's also got some Mario Party in there. So we're killing two birds with one stone here by playing this game. I think so. Yeah, I think this would be a great one to play and just have people watch. Because this is a, a really, really fun game to just sit back and watch. And yeah. uh, I think you're right, Neil. Good good idea. Yeah, let's add it to our list here, which is the first game on our list. If we do Extra <laughs> Life, we'll play Amazing Island. So we have 18 more hours to kill on that day. <laughs> perfect, perfect, Neil. Yeah, but anyway, why don't we hit the back of the case of Amazing Island and we will close out the episode. The only limit on Amazing Island is your imagination. Build an entire collection of monsters using a wide variety of legs, arms, wings, eyes, voices, colors, and more. Jeez. Once you've got your perfect monster, compete in a series of fun and wacky Olympic-style events and party games to win even more accessories, potions, and gadgets. Then make your monster even cooler and more powerful. Come on, your monster pals are waiting for you. Yeah, that's that's the Olympic style events is a good way to put it because yeah. yeah, it is like you're there are like uh, there's uh, the competition level is a bit different than it is in like Mario Party and and a bit different than in the Olympics too. There's far <laughs> less monsters in the actual Olympics, but <laughs> just I, just a couple, just a few. I I love the concept of this game. I think I think it could exist today. Definitely. I just don't know who would take it on. There's also something that we didn't mention when we were talking about the game. There is that the game does connect to the Game Boy Advance which is really cool and oh. not a lot of like information about it online. But if you connect your Game Boy Advance to the GameCube while you're playing uh, Amazing Island, you unlock an, a card battle game RPG sort of thing on your Game Boy Advance. 
Oh, really interesting. Really cool. Yeah, you don't need like an Amazing Island game cartridge for the Game Boy Advance because one does not exist. Uh, but there's this entire like little card battle game uh, on the Game Boy that you can play if you have a connecting cable and this game. Sounds really cool. I was trying to find gameplay of it on online, but I couldn't see anything. So, uh, listeners, if you're out there and you have it, uh, please capture some footage and send it to us. I'd love to see what this looks like. Yeah, oh, really interesting. Huh. Yeah, really cool. I'd love to check that out. Uh, but Mike, of all the games that we talked about today, the Fantasy Stars, the Skies of Arcadia's, are there any games that you recommend the folks out there pick up? Well, honestly, these were all like relatively very good games. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the, we haven't had a good uh, we haven't had an episode like this for a while where all the games were good, yeah. uh, and. I mean, it really depends what you're after. Uh, for Fantasy Star Online, you're looking at a very hefty price tag. Uh, there are ways to play it, as we we learned um, on this episode, and there is still a massive online community. So if you are if you are interested in that community, mm-hmm. then it's definitely something to look into. Uh, in terms of just a really really good RPG, if you're a fan of of that genre, Skies of Arcadia is honestly one of the best. I mm-hmm. definitely think that that game is worth a pickup or at least playing somewhere because it is, you know, $300. So that's <laughs> kind of insane. Yeah. And uh, but my personal pick today would honestly be Amazing Island. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think I would like to pick that up. I, I probably will be picking that up at some point. It's a relatively inexpensive game for being an exclusive uh, game for the GameCube and also just being really, really unique. Uh, yeah. I could see this game going way up in price over the uh, over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you see games like Ribbit King going for at least $200, which is all yeah. a, a game that I kind of compare this to. Uh, mm-hmm. Custom Robo and Chibi Robo as well being mm-hmm. extremely expensive. So, yeah, I think I think this would be the pickup for me. I love it. I, I'd have to say the same thing. I love the look of Amazing Island. I think it, it looks dated by today's standards. Like, it doesn't look quite as pretty as some of the other games that you can play on GameCube, but that's fine. Like, I love the minigame series. I, I think that you kind of need to... It's almost like... Like, I'm like a dog where if you want to feed me a pill, you got to sneak it in with some cheese. <laughs> uh, to get me to play an RPG, you need to, like, sneak it in with something else and i think a party game is perfect like if you can sneak in an rpg and a kart racer i will play 100 hours of that rpg (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so amazing island is one of those games for sure very affordable 60 bucks and i would love to play it in our extra life stream if we happen to do that later on this year Mm -hmm. yeah me too me too Definitely. But Mike, what do you think about the future of these franchises? Do you think that we will see Skies of Arcadia 2 like Wilshire asked for? Do you think we'll see Amazing Island 2? Do you think we'll see Fantasy Star Online 4 or anything like that? (laughs) Uh, Well, there's no way we'll see Amazing Island 2. I can like guarantee you that. Uh, Skies of Arcadia 2, yes. I think eventually that game will come out. that game is has so much notoriety as we've talked about at length already. You know the fact that it's on literally everyone's list of like you know most expensive games, but like best games on the GameCube. It's always uh, I always see it there. That and Bait and Kaidos uh, mm-hmm. are always brought up as like the best RPGs to play on the GameCube. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think we will get it eventually. There is a market for it. I mean, like God, like Nintendo just went back and and redid Live Alive. Mm-hmm. Which right. is like this JRPG from the early 90s that was only available in Japan. So if that's possible, then Skies of Arcadia 2 is possible. And for Fantasy Star Online, uh, it's hard to say. I don't think it'll come back, but you never know because it does have such a vocal uh, community, an active community. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, one's a, that one's a bit of a toss-up for me. What, do you, what about you? 
Here's the thing, Mike. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Now, there's a Nintendo Direct announcement. It's coming in May, right? I don't know why May. I just want to... <laughs> what was that? I was just like closing my eyes. There's just like uh, ocean. It's like, uh... I just pictured Darth Vader's lightsaber at the end of Rogue One. Uh, <laughs> so you close your eyes and Nintendo, well, Nintendo says, all right, you know, they got this trailer going. There's someone playing their Switch. They've got their Joy-Cons in their little dog bone controller or whatever. They unpop the, the Joy-Cons. They're like, all right, I'm going to play a game. What am I going to play? They zoom in on a keyboard. The Joy-Cons slide into that keyboard, yes. announcing Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2 coming to the Nintendo Switch today. Now, that would be the most hype announcement <laughs> I've ever seen, to be fair. Now, that GameCube keyboard controller has to come back in some way. It is comical. It's amazing. I love it. I want it for my computer at work, for God's sakes. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Just, just you know, if I ever need to, to go in the emulator, it's like, oh, I'm ready. Completely, just completely, like, doesn't make any sense to have it. But I would love to have, like, a Switch option to be able to type on, like, a yeah. Nintendo Switch with your Joy-Cons and everything. Honestly, MMOs are huge. They're, like, as big as they've ever been. This is the first console online RPG. I think it deserves to be playable today. It's such a huge part of history. It was like one of the most revolutionary games of this generation that mm-hmm. very few people got an opportunity to play. Like if Alive Alive has a chance of coming back, which we didn't even talk about at the beginning of the show, I definitely think Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2 and Plus can can come back, especially on Switch, which is becoming this HUD of it is becoming like the gaming museum of everything that's ever existed and I love it. Like the Switch should be that uh at the end of the day, a lot of these ports are just so that the developers and publishers can renew their license, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, so Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2 belongs on Switch with the keyboard. Uh, I think we'll get a Skies of Arcadia 2 down the road eventually for sure. Um, but yeah, that's where I see these franchises going forward for sure. But Mike, while I'm learning how to type on my GameCube controller, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 86 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. Next week, it's all about Tom Clancy games and Rainbow Six Extraction or just came out a couple weeks ago. So, you know, we somewhat timed it <laughs> for <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I was trying to time it for the season three of Jack Ryan, but I don't know what's oh, going yeah. on with that. So that's fine. Um, uh, so yeah, I want to talk about just Tom Clancy in general, a very interesting man and who has been dead for a while, but his books and his movies and everything still has his name on it. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just a interesting franchise and uh, really interesting games. This is probably, I don't want to say it's the height of him, but it could have been like Rainbow Six was everywhere. Like yeah. everyone I knew played that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Splinter Cell was revolutionary in the stealth genre. Chaos Theory the, also really, really good. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about some of these games. There's a lot of them though. There's nine Tom Clancy games on the GameCube. So it'll be a big one. It's crazy. Tom Clancy is like one of those like names in video games, like John Madden. Like like his name is just synonymous with with spy games, with with the Tom like the Tom, Tom Clancy. John Madden's is the name <laughs> synonymous with spy games. Like like how John Madden is synonymous with football. Tom yeah. Clancy is synonymous with spy and espionage games on game consoles. I have memories of Rainbow Six coming out. Yeah. I think it was the summertime. Our our uh, mutual friend uh, Spencer. He was like in his house playing Rainbow Six Siege. He would not come out to play road hockey or skateboard or play Yu Gi Oh. Just wanted to sit in his basement. I don't think I saw him for a month that summer because of Rainbow Six. Uh, just playing that online. I think it was Rainbow Six on Xbox. Um, so that that's my memory of it. But uh, I'm really excited to talk about uh, to talk about those games with you next week. Uh, but for now, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to episode 85 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a five-star rating or a review so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. Then you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at The GameCube Pod. And now we're on Discord. You can find our server, The GameCube Was Cool. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Mike's horrific character, Bubsy, from Amazing Island. 
Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. Just like a dog with, like, these bat wings, and he can't open his eyes. A dog with another dog growing out of his head. <laughs> <laughs> but he can speak Finnish. Ooh, yeah, you'll you'll see it on you'll see it on the on on our let's play. <laughs> yeah, and up for adoption probably at the Humane Society at some point. I can't wait for that let's play. That's gonna be epic.